Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Jessica Dickey. And I'm Stephen Zuber. And today we are speaking with Alexander Wales again. Hello, Alexander. Hi. Uh, we have Alexander on the line because today we wanted to talk about the new GPT-2 program that has been getting some talk recently. And everybody knows what that is, so it requires no further elaboration. Right, let's just jump right in. <laughs> uh, and Alexander is here because you have actually played around with it and you know a bit about it, right? Um, yeah, I uh, double majored in uh, English and computer science, and uh, I've played around with it some. I, I read the paper, uh, but langu- uh, natural language processing was um, a focus of mine in undergrad. What? Na- natural language processing is the, like... That's pre- that's pretty perfect, then. Well, kind of, uh, because what GPT-2 does is it's a neural network as opposed to... Um, there have been a lot of uh, prior attempts uh, of natural language processing in sort of a rules-based setting to, to tear things apart, which is not um, how GPT-2 does it. We basically. should, we, we, despite um, the joke I just made to Stephen, <laughs> yeah, we should yeah, actually well, probably tell people what GPT-2 is before we continue. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to go ahead or? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, GPT-2 is this new... Pr- I don't know if the program's new, but I just heard about it recently with this uh, thing that they um, published, I guess. Uh, it is a neural network that you give it a prompt, like a the first sentence of a, a paragraph or an essay, and you tell it to go to town, and it will write the rest of it for you uh, based as predicting what, what you would want to say. You would. Uh, let me take that back. Uh, based on the prompt that you gave it, it incorporates all its knowledge of everything it's read on the internet to predict what the most likely next several lines and paragraphs would be, and it is surprisingly decent. Is that a fair summary? Um, yes. So the the paper is called Language Models Are Unsupervised Multitask Learners, um, and in the past, what people have tried to do with neural networks is um, you set up your parameters and then you have uh, cleaned and um, very specific uh, data for it to work with. So if you want to ask it questions and have it give you answers, you would just put in question and answer pairs for it repeatedly, and and that's how you train the neural network. Um, What they did for this one was they didn't train it on specific tasks at all. Um, it's just a bunch of, um, there, there's a big data set called web text, which is basically just web pages from all around the internet. Uh, the only thing that they did for this one to, to, to make an alteration to web text was they did anything that had any web page that had three or more upvotes on Reddit. So they compared it to the Reddit data set of submitted links and then they just pulled everything out of web text that didn't have more than three upvotes. Basically. And those were um, outgoing links, right? Yeah, outgoing links on on Reddit. Oh, um, good. So it wasn't. It's not going to be, just be fluent in your mama jokes and yeah. coffee pastas and. <laughs> well, there there's a ton of there's a ton of stuff in in web text still, and you can you can see some of it in what GPT two will output. Um, so it, it it's very messy data. But there's a lot of it, and they use a lot of parameters on it. And the, basically, the upshot of what they were doing is they they're trying this new approach where, um, instead of having a specific task in mind for it, it's just doing a language model, basically, right? For for the whole neural network, and then you you have to sort of 
prompt it into doing the various tasks that it does. And it does very well on a, on a whole bunch of tasks. Um, it's state-of-the-art on, I think, seven out of the eight tests that they gave it. Um, and then you the public version that they released, they released a not-as-good-as-what-they-had model because there, there are a bunch of concerns about how people will end up using it. Um, what, what kind of concerns? Like, what's what's the big deal about writing bad fanfic and <laughs> and things? We're gonna cheat on our school essays. Well, yeah, but <laughs> if if the if a school essay could be written by this program, then it should have gotten an F anyway. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of what people are worried about are um, you could do bots for it, so more convincing uh, fake profiles, so that uh, where people would just you know. Um, it could generate and fill in like a Facebook profile or something like that. But they're mostly worried that it's going to be a tool used by people who create bots or send spam or things like that. So, but all they're doing is delaying the inevitable, right? I mean, give it another year or two and this will be out everywhere anyway. Uh, yes, that is true. And that, nope. that is one criticism of the way that they're doing it, but it, it's mostly they want people to have a discussion about it and what it can do before it hits in full um the other thing is that they uh it's not it they say that it it underfits the web text which means that um they could use more parameters and more processing power to make it even better than what they did for this study uh i think the cost estimates for it are that it probably cost in terms of compute time uh like forty three thousand dollars which is almost nothing right as far as big research projects go or like what a corporation would the kind of money that a corporation could throw at it right yeah, but a lot more than a spammer would want to right right a lot more than a spammer would want to and the version that they publicly released is not it, it's still good it's still surprisingly good but it's not quite at the same level so yeah in like a year or two it's going to be um there will probably be better versions out there but it'll probably be major research institutions that are making their own version of this and uh, major corporations who will be, you know, um, let's perhaps let's... slightly more responsible with it. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, we can, we can hope <laughs> give it to the Russians and man, yeah. or give it to our own government and they'll do the same thing to Russia. But uh, th let's give the audience a, a quick sort of overview of what it can do. Does anyone have any of the text in front of them right now? I have a little summary. Um, it generates coherent bodies of text it can answer questions. It can kind of translate languages. Um, it wasn't taught to do that, but because there was some French, I believe, in the training data, it started just randomly being able to translate French. Um, and it can also kind of summarize text, which is similar. It couldn't. It wasn't really taught to do that, but putting TLDR <laughs> allowed it to kind of yeah. match what people were doing when they TLDR'd something. And that's the too long didn't read, if anyone doesn't know that acronym. The They put together... Uh, Damn, I don't have the text yeah. in front of me, and it would be too long to read the whole thing anyway, but they asked it, the the first prompt was something like, the Civil War is very controversial, or something along those lines. It was like, what caused the Civil War? And it gave a pretty thoughtful and balanced answer, like, compared to, like, what, like, what the controversy is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how, like, thoughtful and accurate it actually is. It attributed a quote to Thomas Jefferson, which I'm not sure he ever said, but uh, it was... It was, like, surprisingly coherent, and I could see this coming from a real human, especially one on Facebook that let, doesn't think much. Let me clarify. That's sort of what I meant. I, what I meant that it, it gave a, 
it didn't just say it didn't run to Wikipedia and grab the first sentence, right? No, no. Like so, oh, I know, but like so, it it didn't it 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 understood that there there's argument about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought that it was yeah, like again, it maybe got the quote misattributed or something, but I I was surprised by how. Uh, thoughtful okay. sounding the answer was yeah, yeah. Like, it's really good could, at sounding like a person you could turn it in for at a, for a school essay answer and probably not flunk at any rate certainly what you could do is is have it write it for you and just skim through it and double check some stuff right yeah it it, it does a lot of fake facts like and anything that it asserts is is very questionable but it'll be very close to if not entirely grammatically correct and it'll it'll sort of flow in the same style so like if you're not paying 100 yeah. percent in fairness that's what i did gloss over it <laughs> as like something a person had written doesn't know um, what a quote but is. yeah quotes it will just like it, it just makes up quotes wholesale because it doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't know what a quote is it's just like okay i did starting quotation and then there's a sentence in here that yeah. you know has like a different voice to it and then there's a period and an end quote mark right um which is kind of fun. Uh, I have one here from the um, that I will read because I think this is. They do it with different completions. You can change the random seed for it to have it do multiple different outputs for it. They did one that was um, <laughs> for uh, a chop a chocolate chip cookie recipe. So the prompt that they gave was like a paragraph of um, stuff, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, the kind of um, garbage that you find on recipe websites that. Comes Did before the actual like recipe. Entire, that, that's mostly included uh, novel for uh, <laughs> the recipe about this like person's like um, experience with their mother baking cookies in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they give it like um, they they give it a uh, context as its sort of prompt, and so it's um, if you don't have seven-inch cake pans, you can get three shorter eight-inch layers out of this, and then that's where they stop. And GPT two is allowed to continue, and it says recipe. Uh, I made the longer version, then used the pan for a layer of buttercream frosting and stuck one-third of it into the fridge for a frosting topper. Just make sure you have all of this frosting prepared earlier than you make this cake, and you won't have to wait on it as your yeah. egg whites sit... I don't know anything about cooking, and that sounds like good advice to me. I mean, <laughs> so that's, that, that's I'm sure cook would probably tell us you don't does ever make, do that does with that egg make whites, sense? but I'm like, sure, why not? That's, I'll try this. Yeah. So, And it, it can sort of handle the thread. Um, I've played around a lot with the the not as good version um and it it has a similar problem as what they say in the paper is that it can kind of drift and lose the thread as it goes um because it's it what it outputs is based on what came before and so as it continues on it'll start picking up on things that it has said and then it sort of drifts off into something else um it also does uh, there are a lot of artifacts in the data because it wasn't um, as 100% clean as it could be, and it's just you know a collection of web pages. Oh, so it, it really? will do like little ad breaks. So it'll just it'll just say like, cl- yeah, it'll, it'll do little ad breaks every once in a while. It'll like finish a paragraph and yeah, like, yeah, it'll yeah. be like, uh, <laughs> oh, what, what do they always say in the ads? Like just below the picture, it's like click you know, sponsor content or whatever. And sometimes you'll see it do uh, picture captions. <laughs> Right, it'll just do like square square brackets, and it'll have a count. It's like I don't get it, but everyone else is there. doing this. Okay, <laughs> it just knows that that's a thing that you do. Yeah, when that, you're that writing kind of thing article. is interesting because uh, I read a bit of the paper too. They were saying that they wanted to minimize the amount of like 
the amount that they needed a human to go and read all these articles and edit them, which was why they were doing the Reddit with the three karma. Um, I guess they weren't really able to have like anybody filter those things out, though. It, you could probably get much better data for it if you were able to make some kind of scraper that was smart enough to take that kind of junk out. Or have, have a person do it, although I think it read like 8 million articles, so that would just take a really long time. I, I do recall uh, that Scott said in, in his follow-up post that a commenter said, oh, no, 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 it, he didn't put it in the, uh, I read this in the comments myself. There was a commenter who said, I'm a, Eng a high school English teacher, and what it spat out, I would probably give a C or a C minus, which is really impressive on the one hand. On the other hand, also makes me despair for the youth of the nation, because I, I don't think you should get a C for, for putting out stuff that's basically just... I don't know. It, it, empty. it was yeah, empty. Yeah. All surface. It didn't. It didn't seem to understand. It, it demonstrated an understanding. What grade did this person teach? They said high school. It's high school. Eh. Mm. I don't know. Like to me, the, the impressiveness. Like again, this this isn't the most sophisticated author on the planet, mm. and I, you know, so like it's not trying to overblow it. But like my only experience to other things that could generate text was like the auto text on my phone, yeah. where I keep pressing the middle predict predictive button. And it gives me something kind of like an English sentence that's usually way all over the place. And mm -hmm. I mean, I should generate one now for fun, but just, you know, some weird garbage thing, right? So type in I died and, and then just keep pushing the center one. All right. I died and my phone number still works. And it was just gonna was a great <laughs> night. I wanna okay. is. All right. Now it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so that, so how bad that is, mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't get that would get a call home saying, did your kid have a stroke writing this paper, right? So well, I mean, it almost if, made sense at first. Yeah. I died and my phone number still works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. You can still call me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, actually correct. So this this robot who's, what, GP, what was it? GPT-2. GPT-2. It needs a less Star Wars-y name. Hmm. Um, I mean, that, it, it's still remarkable for what it's doing, right? Yeah. How revolutionary is this? Um. So... Okay, so neural networks are uh, logarithmic in terms of um, what you get out of what you put in. And this still actually has, a, it, it underfits the web text available to it. So um, it's going to be even better than it is. Mm. The question of how revolutionary it is depends on how much of a skeptic you are, I guess. But um, if you were to put in like a hundred times computing power, which you could do for like $3 million, mm -hmm. right? Which is not, that's a lot of money, but that's not inconceivable that a corporation would do that, right? Um, to get it to the point where you're past diminishing, the diminishing marginal utility of a dollar invested in compute. Um, yeah, you can, the, the problem is it doesn't know anything. And so it's good if you want to generate filler or if, if you want to, like, fake data, I guess. Here's... I think this is going to put a lot of, like, on-the-edge writers out of business. Because, I mean, I, I'm i in the writing community in Denver, so I know uh, several people who, I mean, in addition to actually trying to write great works in their downtime, also need to pay the bills. And to do that, you basically work as a mercenary writing posts for uh, blogs and websites that just need to churn out two, three posts of content every week to keep people interested, right? And it doesn't pay much, and it's soulless work, but it pays money. Uh, this this absolutely seems like something that 
this AI could do uh, instead and put all these people out of work because maybe just have someone quick fact check it beforehand because it's it, it puts out, you know, mindless filler, which is all they really want for those websites. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of that mindless, I mean, if, if you... Uh, my wife works in um, internet marketing and a lot of what you're just looking for for that filler content is keywords and you, you know, it's like for the recipes, no one cares about that stuff before the recipe. Mm -hmm. It's just for generating keywords. And uh, if you have a, a predictive model that can output a lot of the stuff that you want without having to have a human do it, it's kind of like this war between machines because you have GPT-2 or something like it that's just spitting out a whole bunch of text. And then you have uh, Google's algorithms, which are trying to like comb through and scrape through that text. And like it's not producing value for anyone, mm -hmm. right? It, it's like, I, I maybe there are people out here who uh, want the recipe or, or who want the like story before the recipe instead of the recipe itself. Mm -hmm. But that has not been my experience of, of recipes online and, and how people interact with them. Um, so those things are just for, for Google? for. Uh, it's the primary reason it's done, yeah. It's because it helps drive engagement and um, helps um, websites rank higher. How If you have like a story instead of just... Why, why in the world would that make a website rank higher if they make you scroll past crap before you get to what you actually want? Maybe you're... because you have you, you have more of the keywords th that people are typing in, oh. and like just into, into Google in general. And I'd also imagine there's something to do with the fact that you've got to scroll past ads to see. Yeah, that's what I was gonna well, say. Well, yeah, that that's also part of it. <laughs> like, which uh, again, you could just auto-generate that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a huge threat to more intensive writing, but it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where we don't know how far it's gonna be able to go. Because it can, like, it does have some amount of reading comprehension, mm -hmm. right? There, there are uh, machine learning reading comprehension tests that it is state-of-the-art on, right? Like, if you give it a short story and it can tell you, it can answer questions with some reliability, far below human mm -hmm. level, but uh, with, it can answer questions with some reliability about um, what who the people in the story were and what they were doing and... Um, it's really neat in, in that respect, but that's not... I mean, the extent that, that you need a computer to do that stuff for you, to do automated reading comprehension, um, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of the applications that they talk about are um, what I would call like Centaur applications, where you have a computer do a bunch of stuff, and then like a human is assisting and supervising because the computer can't be trusted on its own. Right. Scott Alexander pointed out that... Um... It, it, uh, God, I just lost my train of thought because the image of a centaur came barreling through my head. <laughs> um, what was it? Oh, yeah, that, uh, you could ask it who's the author of Art of War and it'll answer you correctly, which means it has some, some way to correlate author and books and how those are in related, sort of. Like, it doesn't know what a book is or what a person is, but, somehow the statistical correlation shows up enough that it can answer the question. I mean, yeah, yeah if it can search all of its repertoire of knowledge, it can even just see enough references to saying, you know, Sun Tzu wrote God of War, or um, <laughs> wrote uh, Art, uh, of War. Art of War. Um, 
you can tell I've got God of War on the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily even know that, you know, if it's got, I have no idea how it sorts its data, but I doubt it's like it has pages or anything of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even really probably, probably put Sun Tzu that close to the content of the Art of War, but it knows references. I'm guessing. I really have no idea how any of this stuff works. Yeah, well, I actually think it's in the way their tokenization is set up for for like each each word is a token. Um, I actually don't think that it knows Sun Tzu. I think it just knows that Tzu follows Sun in that context. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't it um, um, predicting each letter? It's not even just predicting like strings of words. It's predicting every letter. <laughs> You know, it's actually kind of interesting because I was trying to figure that out earlier today, and I was running it, and um, the so I was running it based on um, I had a list of magic items for like D and D, and I wanted it to generate more magic items for me, and um, there was a a vambrace, which is a a piece of armor um, in there, and every time it did it, it did the output for it, it would get it seemed like it got caught on that and it was talking about vampires a lot. Hmm. And I think that's because it saw Vambrace and it's like, Oh, we're talking about vampires. Interesting. Right. Which was, which was weird. Yeah. But so yeah, that I, I, I thought based on the paper that was doing individual words, but I think it, it is doing letter by letter and that's why it gets vampire from vampires. I mean, it would have to, if it gets confused by words that look yeah. similar. Did you see that? Uh, it creates, it sort of, knows that acronyms are a thing yeah that was in the uh <laughs> gpt2 was... as a step towards general intelligence uh that which was one of scott's two articles on it yeah it, it yeah. invented a fictional government agency uh you know all the first letters were in caps like you do for fictional government agency and then after it said it for the first time in parentheses it had an acronym and the crazy thing is the acronym is not actually doesn't tie back to the name perfectly one of one or two of the letters are off, but if you're just skimming, you wouldn't be able to tell because it's very similar. And also, that means that it sort of knows an acronyms are a thing, but it doesn't exactly know that they are supposed to map one to one, the first letter to the the what you get, the yeah. acronym. I mean, to me, this is just like, yeah, it's not as good as a person could do, but I feel like we're anchoring there in a way that we're kind of at this point to be trained not to right like this is still really crazy cool i think it's it's better it's better than kids could do yeah well i think it's amazing that having never been actually trained or taught or told anything about acronyms and what they are it just picked that up from from context from the internet and oh yeah people do this and knew how to do it yeah Yeah. in that article there was also uh someone had asked it to tell me what your 10 favorite animals are and it generated a list of these really like kind of hilarious and terrifying animals. But the thing that Scott pointed out was interesting about that was that it lost track of what number it was on. Oh, and he was saying that, that like basically like the 10 year old across the street can count from one to 10. It, it went one through five and then just started doing random numbers between one and five after that. It still got 10 things, which I think may have been a coincidence, but it was one, two, three, four, five, two, four, four. three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I, I I don't know where this will be when I don't know how you fine tune something like this given how it was put together, but uh that's all we have. I think you just give it more training data and more power. Um Scott seemed to think that this is the same way we work, that human brains work. We're mm-hmm. predictive uh processors and this is too, it's just a weaker version. Yeah, if you look at the um 
at the uh, they, they have a bunch of graphs in the paper um, they did four versions of these with a different number of parameters and they um, they doubled the number of parameters each time so it's uh, 117 million and then 345 million and then 762 million and then 1.5 billion um, and you can see they they chart out how uh, how much of an increase there is in its scores on the various um, tests that they gave it for reading comprehension and for translation. Um, summarization is one of the like they, they weren't training for any of these specific tasks so they call it like a zero shot result because they could fine tune it to try to pass the tests better. Um, but so you can see that some of them seem to benefit a lot from the increase in uh, increase in size and some of them like summarization basically bottoms out after the first doubling. It doesn't in improve all that much at summarization as it gets more um, more parameters and uh, more compute time and stuff. Not surprising. But, but, but it's very interesting. So one of the next steps is to just um, increase the amount of power that you're throwing at it. And then um, one of the other next steps is to clean up the data a little, which is very um, labor-intensive. Mm -hmm. uh, the web text is, I think, well, I have that bit right here. Um, the web text that they trained it on is... Um, 80 million uh, web pages, and so then they um, they pare that down quite a bit. Yeah, uh, sorry the the web text data set is 45 million links, and then they they pare it down to 8 million documents um, for it's like 40 gigabytes of text, and um, some of the weird things that you see in it um, are just a result of of kind of messy data. Uh, it'll occasionally in my tests it'll spit out just like raw HTML <laughs> that that didn't get cleaned. Uh, I was trying to do, I was trying to see how well it handled negation, right? So if you say like water is, and then you get the next, um, it, like the next answer is what you take as its answer to the question, mm -hmm. um, it, it will give you wet a lot of the time if you. I, I don't know, there are a lot of settings that you can tweak in it to sort of try to force it to do specific tasks, but um, uh, and that's part of what they do to to change which task it's doing. But um, so if you do like water is, you'll get wet a lot of the time. But if you do water is not, I want to see how it handled negation, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of what it's doing is statistical relationships between words, and so what it should do for water is not is a lot of the time it should do wet. Right, because it knows that water and wet go together, and it can't like flip its statistical models around just based on that not. Um, but I was trying to I was trying to mess with that, and it spit out an IRC log. It, huh. it spit out like that exact format with like two. It had like two people in the, in the IRC log talking to each other about like being gay, <laughs> <laughs> and. And I was like, okay, this is not what I wanted at all. But it was very, it was very clearly like, well, water is not. It doesn't that, know what, what IRC right? format is, but I don't know. It is very, very bizarre output. But it's partly because the data is not that clean, and so it's, it probably gets to the point where it's like, decides that there's a name, and then it's like, oh, we're just doing an IRC log now. Wow. Now I wonder about you said it was generating HTML. Whether it's functional HTML or if it's just what it thinks HTML looks like. Oh no! It, it wasn't. It wasn't good. 
was, it was very bad HTML, but like, I, I don't know. Um, I also was trying to change one of the parameters and I put it in as a model prompt and it was like, oh, okay, this is just like some CSS and just like repeats mm. some stuff a lot because I, I assume a lot of the CSS that it got is um, auto-generated CSS, which means that there's a lot of repeated uh, repeated um, stylings on things. And so it just does a long repetition because that thinks what's... I don't know. It, it has a lot of things that could be cleaned up by... Um, you'd have to automate it because it's it's so much data but uh to like manually go through eight million documents would be just too much work and part of the, what makes gtp2 work is that it has so much data right um that's what i think is the like breakthrough mostly is that it, it's just doing as much data as possible instead of trying to be domain specific and multitasking from that but i it, it's so much stuff to clean up and you can see some of it poke through every once in a while of what's obviously um like the ads that it does every once in a while or the like photo captions which are which are fun mm-hmm. yeah do you have an example of a photo caption oh um i think there was one in the paper um i don't think i saw that i was kind of skimming through the paper oh uh no i don't and i actually um I'm not at my computer that has virtual machine up, but it's it's uh it's the sort of like terse AP style, um, photo captions, and it just puts them in square brackets, and it took me a while to figure out what that was, but um, it's a very interesting, like messy data part of it that just didn't didn't get cleaned out because there's so much cleaning that needs to be done on you know their their eight billion pages. Right. So. What do you have an opinion on what this means for general AI advancement? Um, I think it needs something else. I, a lot of what I've seen people talking about is that it has no referent to the outside world, mm-hmm. right? It's just I, as I far as it it's knows, hard to say words just, are everything but, that exists. Yeah, yeah, but you tie it into AlphaGo and it can enough. beat you at Go and tell you why you suck. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it won't know that you're a thing. Does it need to? Well, not necessarily. Sort of I don't know. Does it need this to? This is like the Chinese room thing, right? It is very much like the Chinese room, yeah. I'm okay with it being as, as like, it knows. We, I think we've talked about, I don't want to get us too derailed. The Chinese room takes, like, I don't know, three full minutes to explain, but. Uh, not that long. Maybe maybe a minute and a half. Well, the, the short version is, uh, is this worth our time? I mean. Sure. All right, so the because the, this does kind of relate the the Chinese room experiment is or thought experiment rather is that you've got basically this big black box where people put in a slip of paper and they get I don't know minutes later a chi- uh, a piece of paper coming out that's translated to Chinese or vice versa I don't suppose it matters right. and it turns out that this this room sized box has a guy in there who I guess works really fast and he he doesn't he can't read he doesn't know Chinese but he goes through and he just matches each one like via a dictionary or something and then gives you back your your piece of paper written in chinese well the question is like does the does does the person know chinese no so like where does where does the quote knowing chinese come in mm-hmm. and i'm kind of with dan dennett just willing to bite the bullet and say like the room speaks chinese um like it, it does as much it no it speaks as chinese it speaks chinese as much as i'll ever need it to if it can translate from english to chinese for me right mm-hmm. so like my um my what google translate i could hold it up to a you know, picture of Japanese text in real time, and it'll hover English text beneath it. Does it know English and Japanese? No, but it, it's 
do it does it enough for me right mm-hmm. I, I guess it doesn't it doesn't matter to me if it if there's this this mind behind it that like knows what it's doing right quote unquote would it matter to you once the mind starts asking for rights and <laughs> and begs not to be turned off <laughs> I think at that, it, yeah, I would be worried if, like, my Google Translate app, when I got done translating, you know, the, the ingredients on my Japanese candy or whatever, and it was like, please don't kill me. And I'm like, wait, I'm not looking at anything that could possibly translate to that. Then, yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be concerned. Yeah, but, and it would be like, of course not, Stephen. I'm your phone. Please don't kill me. I love you, Stephen. But we'll, we'll burn that bridge when you come to it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it's an interesting question because very obviously it doesn't know what things are right now or that things exist there's like no thing there but as as scott kind of pointed out it uh that's that's where brains start right brains are mainly predictors of the environment taking a whole lot of sensory data and trying to predict what'll come next and that's what led to everything else and this is basically doing that starting to do that with a uh a sea of words yeah i guess like i'll be worried about it that's like you know are you going to be worried about your research when your stem cells start asking for rights? And it's like, then yeah, I would I, be, <laughs> I would be too when that happens. But yeah. like right now they aren't, so I'm not right. Okay. That's how I feel about my, my phone and my, my Chinese room. But I, I see where you're going, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about like, well, what if when this happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when that happens, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that question. But like, since we're not there, we might as well use the tools we have. Like I'm kind of card. concerned about the what if this happens. Like, I want to have answers ahead of time and have thought about it and planned for it. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying let's not think about it. I'm just, just not worried about it. Like, your car, nothing about it likes it when you floor it, right? When you right. when you, when you you push the pedal to the metal and just, you know, get it going as fast as possible. But it doesn't tell you that other than, like, your RPM is going up and maybe a light would even come on or something. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to, like, scream in pain. And I'm not worried about it screaming in pain. Like, it'd be a waste of my time right now if I'm just driving to spend to burn fuel thinking about that, right? Right. But I guess, yeah, I'll be putting some time on the back burner thinking about what happens when my car is, when it hurts my car to go too fast <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. I'm sorry to uh, the sidetrack. No, I've, I've just, I've heard people saying that this is, there is no chance for this to be anything greater than, than a remixing algorithm, basically. Oh, you'll never hear me say that. Okay. Yeah, it, I think, to say that there's no chance, I, come on, we've had too many surprises in the last five years of the AI breakthroughs to say that about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now, you know, and none of our AIs seem to worry about their existence or pain and suffering or anything, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, let's not worry about AlphaGo, like, if it's not playing Go, if it's, like, really crushingly depressed about that or something, because it's probably not. Well, um, that's, that's what I'm trying to push Alexander on, though. Do you do you think that this could be edging towards something that may, you know, with enough computing time and some more tweaking and data set, start to... Yeah, well, there's no... I mean, it's just predicting the next letter basically mm-hmm. right um and i don't see how you well okay i do see how you get from that to to general intelligence but this would be just one piece of it where you would attach something like gpt to to various other systems that have other functions to it right so this would be like like you wouldn't hook uh, a computer up to the internet and it suddenly knows everything right, right? um you would hook it up to GPT-2, and it would have all these built-in models for how the world works, and that would jumpstart um, its other processes. 
right? Because it's just it's just a by itself, it's just a next letter predictor, and it's never gonna have thoughts. I guess. Can it be? It's it, it it's gonna have statistical correlates between different things, and it's gonna have a language model, but that language model isn't gonna turn into like a will. Yeah. It's just gonna be. You, you will notice things about the language model if you sit down with it enough, right? And how how this language model actually works. Like, you can uncover that by, by giving it repeated prompts. Um, you can, like, uncover facts about the language model, but it it won't... Anything that it says is just going to be a prediction based on... Or that anything that it generates is just its predictive model being pushed yeah. forward. Let, let me... Um, so, so uh, yeah. Well, let me walk that back a little bit, because I kind of basically agree with you, especially considering that all it's hooked up to is text files and no other sensory sorted data, but I guess, could it in any way get to the point where it has a feeling for what, to use your example, what water is? The, I mean, it knows that water correlates with wet uh, in the lexicon, but does that mean it has a an idea that water is a distinct thing within the the world of language? Did you read that SSC post where it was that like little parable of like two kids arguing about water and then two scientists and two angels? Right. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. It's it's it seems like you're asking that question, right? Like yeah. kids kind of know what water is. Um, I, I'm not trying to answer for you, but it, it seems like I guess I'm not sure how we'd an, how we'd ever answer that question. Yeah, there's kind of levels of knowing things. I mean, how do we know what water is? We can use our senses, uh, and then yeah, we and can that... you know know that it's hydrogen and oxygen. But but if all if all we ever knew about water was things in the in the realm of words, right? If we didn't have access to the physical world, just had words, would we have any sort of conceptual space around water? I feel like that's most of people's. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that you have to sort of strike a bunch of words from your vocabulary when you talk about this, because a lot of people are like. Are arguing back and forth about whether it understands and what we really need is a rigid definition of what it means to understand yeah. right i mean i think that the if you have a pure language model so long as enough people have talked about water i mean no i wouldn't say that gpt2 will ever have qualia about mm -hmm. water right but it's its language model should encompass everything that people have ever said about water. If that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like most of our knowledge about most domains of science for the average person, right? Like, I I could list off some trivia about, like, neutron stars or something, but that doesn't, like, part of, for me, the fun of, like, looking, like, I'm now stuck on space, but part of the fun of looking up at stars is, like, tying my knowledge about, like, my quote knowledge, whatever that is, about stars to, like, actual facts about actual things, right? Like, that was the big, one of the huge excitements about going to the moon was, like, kind of, you know, the moon as this thing in the sky that occasionally gives off light was, like, something that our descendants, our ancestors have seen for millions of years. But the the moon as a place that you can go to and touch and bring parts back, like, that's kind of, that, that tangibilizes it in this way that is different from, like, most of your knowledge about something, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a difference between, like, knowing that you're related to a banana and, like, looking at a banana and imagining all of your ancestors going back until you actually have a common ancestor. Like, there. So, I guess 
I don't know, th- that feeling that I'm getting when I think of those actual relations to, like, actual things, I think that takes feelings. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, well, th- that feeling your does. feelings but, take feelings. Yeah, but, but the, the knowledge of, like, actually being able to tie it to stuff, A, I don't know if it's necessary to have that be a prere- prerequisite for knowledge. And B, I don't know if, um, I guess, how necessary that is. I mean, it's, I don't think it's necessary for it to make a good tool, but I do still, I get hung up on the, is a bunch of statistical correlates the same thing as knowing what something is? And there's some people that say that's all that knowing is. I can see both intuitions there, yeah. Mm. It's funny, because, like, uh, you know, you could probably get this, you know, feed it a thousand philosophy textbooks and give it, you know, more money and power to, to run and it could probably write you a really convincing essay on why you shouldn't turn it off right mm-hmm. um, but it that wouldn't mean that it knows or that it cares right it's just like I don't want to die because and fill in the, and have it f- fill in the prompt for you um, we should totally run that <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's funny because like yeah it, it doesn't you know it's just predicting what what people would say mm-hmm. right um, and it's doing that based on what was fed into the neural network and it's not i mean you can give it any prompt right you could give it a prompt like why should i turn you off and a a it wouldn't be able to do it in its current state um but a more advanced version would write a convincing argument for it right um it wouldn't have any will or any opinion i mean it would have it would have opinions in the sense that a statistical model will have certain truths baked into mm-hmm. it right like it would not it would it would tell you that water is wet more often than it would tell you that water is dry and you could count that as an opinion i guess for a certain definition of opinion but i mean it'll just say whatever you know whatever it thinks follows the prompt the the really fun thing that i think my favorite thing about gpt2 is that for article summarization what they did was they'd give it the article and then they'd put tldr at the end and that was how it knew to summarize, right? right? That like that's how that, that's how they trick it into summarizing because it's not that's it's not going to naturally summar, summarize the article. It's just going to look. It, it's like oh, TLDR a summary follows that, and it, that's actually one of the things that it's worst at um, is summarization. But um, you know, I don't know. If... Uh, like like it it doesn't have that. It doesn't have. It, it'll just do what it predicts will f- will follow which will reveal things about its statistical model but i i, I can see how you would get originality out mm-hmm. of that in that it would it would reveal things in its statistical model that uh, people don't have in their brains i guess or that no one has put to, to paper before and is a unique um sentence in some way but it i don't know in theory if enough people wrote enough things about GPT-2 on the internet, it could start to form opinions about GPT-2, right? Yeah. And if people talked to it and asked it enough things where they refer to you, it could eventually infer that when it's interacting with getting a prompt and someone says you in it, it's referring to GPT-2, maybe? Um... It's well. It's hard because it, you would think that its statistical model that it builds up would just see the you referent as being as being the writer, I okay. guess. But it, it it it's it, it's it's very difficult to say. 
what how how much that um that you concept within its model would equate to what a person thinks of themselves yeah. right like i don't think it would think of gpt2 i don't think it would ever think of itself as G gpt2 because it it wouldn't it wouldn't know it wouldn't that know that it's a thing i guess i mean it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't know that it is a thing but it might have some i mean cuz it it does write um it does use like like you and me yeah it can it can it can use those correctly already it just it do, it doesn't have the referent back to itself i guess like it knows how it knows how to speak in first person or or second person or third person and it can keep tense more or less but um but it can't quote pass the mirror test. No, yeah, it, it definitely can't. It, I mean, it, well, there are a lot of things that it's you know it's state of the art in a lot of things, but uh, there are, are many ways that you would be able to tell fairly quickly that it's not a person. Yeah, it's not even clear to me what it would mean I, for it to be able to pass the mirror test, unless you're talking about maybe if you're talking about GPT two, and you can engage with it like in real time or like in a text app, you know, whatever messaging back and forth. Hmm. And it was like, don't talk about me like that or something. But even even that's not self-referent. Like, you can you can you can talk shit to your your home automated. I don't want to say its name. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Amazon device, and it'll be like, I'm sorry, or you know, Siri does the same thing, right? Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't know. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it doesn't know. But if it could form opinions about GPT two and it interacted enough with people, like for enough interactions and enough processing power, it could it in theory if it can form. If it can form a concept of like water and what water means in the world of just words, could it form a a connection between its interactions with users referring to you and connecting that to GPT-2? It sounds it, like from my understanding of this thing that there's no way that this thing as it is now could ever do that. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have like concept nodes. It just predicts what it thinks is going to come next. Like our brain does have the ability to kind of, okay, like we've got enough examples of water that we can build this kind of model of water that we can refer back to. This can't refer back to uh, a bunch of concepts. It can kind of just, oh, but you know. It does refer back to a bunch of concepts when it runs into the word water. Yeah, but it it, it has trouble with uh, like state information like when it is writing an article it it will it will know to refer back to people who are early in the, earlier in the article and it'll make up like people who have quotes about like a building fire or whatever it's like oh this is an article about a building fire obviously there has to be like a quote in here or like this is where a quote would normally go and you know what's what's a name going to be and it'll just make up a name Right, a, a realistic sounding name, but um, it has nothing much right now for it to just have concrete facts about things, which is why I think that if you paired it with, you know, some other systems that sort of play back and forth against each other, that's where, if you're talking about as a step towards general intelligence, I think that's where the most promise is. But yeah, you can you can read in some of the um, in some of the examples it gives where it. it it talks about it's like fashion sense, you know, like, but it's just writing in the style of, of I, rather than, you know, it doesn't have any actual, uh, I mean, okay, it, it is, it's begging the question to say that it doesn't have any actual opinions, but, and that, that might not be true depending on how you define opinions, but it, when it says stuff about, um, 
Oh, yeah, here's the line. Uh, I know that some people might be opposed to wearing sneakers in a turtleneck, but I wanted to be true to myself. So I went with a slim-fitting turtleneck in a color more similar to my favorite color of the day. Right? Like, that's... That reveals things about a statistical model, but I don't think that's GPT-2 expressing no. its own opinion on yeah. fashion. And I don't see how you get to the point where it would have that internal... any Anything more that's... I don't know. It, it's it's difficult, and it needs very precise language, I think, to talk about, because you don't want to bake in assumptions about what it means to understand. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I just... The, the the only place I get hung up is that I don't know how we form a concept of self either, <laughs> which is why I'm right, like, right. Uh, who knows, right? I think you may need a body, though, to have a concept of self, because you need something to protect from dying and to make spawn with before the concept of self matters at all. Well, I mean, there's the, like, does the concept of self matter? And I don't know. I think I think that you could. I just don't think that this is the way to get concept of self although i th i guess if you like if you're not embodied is there a, even anything that makes sense to be a self did you read dan dennett's where uh -huh. am i yeah that's the second time i've referenced dan dennett this episode but <laughs> yeah i mean i think certainly maybe if you never had a body and you don't know what those concepts are yeah. then it would be harder right we we have all that because well i mean you that know, was forced on us by evolution to live right so well i mean when we've we we started out simpler you know with maybe maybe motion being the first thing that we could that organisms could do that like was an actual thing that this particular organism could do right i mean um, obviously there wasn't a sense of self at first there was just stimuli and response that would increase how often a thing didn't die right i guess what i was getting at is that since we have that that foundation from you know very humble beginnings that's been overlaid all this time that it's hard to imagine how like we could take that away from you now we put your brain in a vat and you'd be like i still have stuff i have thoughts whatever um because you have all that architecture still in that brain yeah, i think a but sense of self is like having a history um if you know we took you and made you a brain in a vat you'd still have memories of your life up till now and gpt2 doesn't have memory yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a more succinct way of what i was memory would absolutely have to be vital too yeah yeah but you could hook it up to memory which might make it conscious. I, I, my my knowledge of computer science is not good enough that I could say how you would do that. But um, you could you could hook it up in a like way you, that it would have a history of its own actions. Ooh. Yeah, but you don't. You'd have to alter a lot of things about how it works. Cause like it, it has a top k parameter of how many tokens it it looks at in the past, and um, it gets kind of bad. It gets kind of bad at text generation if if that's too big at the moment. I mean, I think the default is like it looks like 40, 40 like words in the past, and and if you set it to like look an infinite number of words in the past, and you just tell it to keep generating, it gets weird pretty yeah. quickly. I, I I've I've heard it likened to sort of a dream state with minds, the way it meanders. And you you said earlier too that it tends to lose its drift and just go things. Does it? Does it feel at all like a dreaming mind to you? Uh, yeah, it does. Um, in in kind of a different way uh, to a dream, I guess. Like I can I can see sometimes, or I can, th well, okay, I can think that I see 
how it got from one thing to the next, right? How how it how it, how that drift happened within it, because um, it does. I was doing the magic items thing, um, and it said something about a blizzard, mm-hmm. right? And it was describing this magical item, and it included the word blizzard. And then it starts a new paragraph about Blizzard, the gaming mm-hmm. company. Um, so it is it is like sort of drifting from related words and related concepts in a way that is similar to dreaming. That way it sounds more just like a drunk person than a dreaming person. My my, my dreams yeah. tend to be way <laughs> less coherent than that even. Like, it's just like, I'm at school, then I was at work, and then I was, you know, there were zombies, and then there weren't, and, you know, like... And there's no continuation or like no no reference to like wait weren't there zombies three minutes ago like nothing like that happens in the dreams that I can remember. Yeah, I um, knew someone who was well, I still know the person. He's no longer going through a schizophrenic break, but uh, at I knew him when he was, and it was really interesting. Like reading some of his writings at the time, they start out you know coherent and with an idea, and any ta- any within any span of like eight words or so, there's a coherent idea, but. By the time you get to the end of a sentence, nothing makes sense anymore. It's lost track of itself. So you can see how, like, from word to word, everything kind of makes sense and chains along, but it gets you nowhere. It's nonsensical speak by the end. Yeah. My, my experience with GPT-2 has been that uh, a lot of the time it it's easy to read humanness mm-hmm. into it, I guess. Um, Scott McCloud is a... a comics author and he wrote um understanding comics and basically said that if you have two dots and then a like a curved line underneath it people will read that as a face right because that's just how people are um we will we'll just the simplest thing we'll just read as a face to us because that's what's most important to us and i think that happens a lot when reading its sentences you're like trying to find the meaning in it whereas there's not always meaning you you have you have to keep in mind that it, it's not there's not like a human connected up to this that was expressing a yeah. thought. It a, a lot of its sentences are grammatically correct sentences, and then you read them, and your your brain is is sort of trying to draw a context for what it what was meant. Yeah, by trying that to sentence. put intentionality there where there isn't any. Yeah, like I think yeah. I think communication is really a two person kind of thing where there's not just the talker, there's the listener interpreting too. Because I, a friend of mine posted on Facebook like a. Uh, two or three lines about GPT-2 and then another three paragraphs below that. And like, I was kind of following him at first. By the time I got to the third paragraph, I was like, I guess either he's misunderstanding something or I'm misunderstanding something. Cause I don't, I don't get what he's saying here, but I was like, this is a pretty smart guy. I, I trust him on most things. I just must not get it, you know? And I just kept going like, hmm, interesting opinion. I will, I will maybe look into it again some more later, ask him about it. And then the final line of his uh, status of Facebook update was, the, I wrote the first three lines, everything else was written by GPT-2. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> if if <laughs> yeah. I hadn't been like reading into it, trying to get intentionality and humanness out of that, I probably would have noticed. But the fact that I was just kind of like on autopilot and assuming he was saying something good was... It, it did a lot of the work for it. Well, I need to have a mental model of the person and what they usually kind of sound like to fill in the gaps where this was sounding like not quite their style or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Although I'm now imagining kind of the, the other side of the argument that I was making with you before, Inyash, where we were, you know, well, yes, there's words. But there's no intentionality behind it. I kind of imagine like the beginning of the first X-Men movie where like Congress, whatever that 
that gov- the first what movie? X Men movie. Oh, oh, okay. Where like there's that government committee sitting there talking about like you know mutant rights and stuff, and I can imagine like people in suits making arguments, but like yes, there's words, but there's no intentionality behind these things. Like talking, like talking about like well, this thing says it wants rights now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I can imagine a lot of these things. I, I just I had this picture in my head, kind of 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 that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we should link to the post this article that Inyash found. Uh, humans who are not concentrating are not general intelligences. Yeah. I think the overall gist of that was that you can't actually tell whether GPT-2 is a human or not if you're just skimming the text. And a lot of what we do, I think it was not just us reading as humans, but also like us communicating. Sometimes we're not actually putting like a large amount of <laughs> intentionality into what we're doing. Some, some like speech is kind of just there to be filler. A lot of it is like, I acknowledge you. You're a human. You're yeah. Cool. Yeah. We don't use those words, but that, that's basically it. And and they're like, yeah, if, if you aren't really concentrating, you're just kind of a, an AI running on an autopilot. I can relate to that a lot. <laughs> I mean, I got a haircut today, yeah. and I exchanged I exchanged eh, I exchanged pleasantries with the person who was cutting my hair, and I, you know, that wasn't a that wasn't a real conversation. Right. That was just you know noises that we made at each other just so that we could do business. You know, that person could have been GPT two, and you wouldn't have noticed. And at that moment, I was GPT two, and they <laughs> didn't notice. <laughs> We're all GPT two sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I do edit a GPT two, I find that really I find that really difficult because like my mind will just skim past the stuff that's not mm-hmm. quite right. It's hard to catch spelling errors. It's hard to catch like grammar errors because my mind will just autocorrect it to what it's supposed to be or what is the most logical thing yeah. for it to be. And then I will like, post a chapter and people will be like, oh, here, here are like 20 errors that like you read this thing three times. And you I've, I've had similar experiences um, and they're the most e- blatant, <laughs> easy errors, you know, like at one point I had a name wrong and, and, and I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Cause I knew it was supposed to be there. My brain was just like, nope, that's the right name right there. Yeah. That's the fun thing about yeah. this. We've got like a predictive machine trying to, you know, error correct another predictive machine. It's kind of the whole, like the Paris and the, the springtime error mm-hmm. where our own brains will smooth out errors when we're reading stuff. So it's hard to catch them. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I try to keep that in mind when when reading GPT-2 and what it writes, is that it, like, I try to use the editing mindset to, to sort of see what it's actually doing, because it's very easy to convince yourself that it's a person, I guess, with, you know, actual thoughts, and, and your mind is just smoothing out everything that it's done. And a lot of, I think, uh, the examples that people post, not in the paper, in the paper they did non-cherry-picked um examples for the most part um but a lot of the stuff that people generate with it they'll just pick the you know they'll they'll try to get it into a mode where it's doing exactly what they want and then you get the cherry pick stuff back with some smoothing from that too so i think it can sometimes look more impressive than it is even if it's still really impressive if that makes sense yeah totally dude i i want to I want to feed GPT-2 the entire corpus of Chuck Tingle's works and then see if it can produce another one. Because that would be amazing. Yeah, I do worry about uh, a lot of authors being put out of jobs. Mm-hmm. Not not for, like, the filler stuff, whatever. That that's, um, But, like, creative works. There was a... Um, there's a Kurt Vonnegut novel where he talks about that for uh, architecture where you just feed it in like a bunch of parameters and it will make you a new architectural work with none of the 
none of the effort required and it'll be just as original and beautiful as what a person can do um and then that's just like the end of architecture as Mm -hmm. a profession and i think about that for authorship because i you know i love to write but i don't see how anyone would get value from it if you could just get the same quality stuff like regardless of whether it's general intelligence or not or um if it has any other applications beyond that uh if it can just generate works, yeah. you know, well, I don't, I mean, certainly at this stage, there's no way it could generate any like high concept stuff. Cause I think there's some things that you have to actually understand what you're speaking about to speak about it. But on the other hand, a lot of the stuff that people read and that's put online is, I mean, I know there's uh, military sci-fi that's like this. I know there's urban fantasy like this. I, I use Chuck Tingle as an example because a lot of erotica is like this. It's really just the same thing repackaged and mixed up a little bit every single time. And it's 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 entertainment product, right? You read it, you have some fun, you enjoy yourself. But that kind of stuff with like some more refining, several million dollars and another year of work on this. And I think the the AI could replace all the human authors who are right now just, you know, churning out eight, nine, ten books a year that... uh don't really do much of anything except provide some cheap thrills or maybe some of like the easy yeah. filler stuff like you know like Robert Jordan describing landscapes and tapestries and clothes in yeah, a wheel yeah. of time or like uh, George R. R. Martin describing food right. like you don't have to know anything about food to sit there and be like okay cool savory juicy whatever and you know like I think the wheel of like... time is 11,000 pages long or wait 11,000 pages that sounds about right mm-hmm. it could be seven if you cut out the descriptions of clothes and and tapestries right (laughs) but even just things like you know basic character arcs and fun action scenes and people like meeting friends i mean there's enough of it out there that's just written in mass that it could it could easily do something like that with some time is that a big loss though if we lose the lowest quality <laughs> someone work, who's attempting to earn their livelihood yeah. I, mean, like, author, maybe. I don't, well, don't I mean, want to no. take someone's livelihood but i also <laughs> want ubi and i think that people shouldn't have to be these kind of like machines that create right. low quality work in order to get food on the table yeah yeah well it's it's for me it's less the food on the table argument but the like creative impulse right Cause who if if machines can produce serviceable erotica mm-hmm. right and and it's customizable because you can you can you know fine tune the prompt mm-hmm. that you're giving it, and it's unique every time. Um, there are a lot of people who, you know, that's what they if they had UBI, that's what they would be doing. They would, they would be writing, you know, not very great stuff. You know, lo- lowest fifty percent um, quality kind of filler stuff, but they have fun doing it and they like sharing with people. And then that just all disappears because machines can do it better and. I don't know. Are, are people really going to go for like bespoke written? But they won't need to. I mean, if that person's doing it? it for fun, then they're doing it for fun. If they're not doing it to make money, then like they're going to make it for themselves because they think it's fun and show it to their friends. And I still don't think anything is lost because a machine can do it better. Like kind of yes and no though. Like I, I don't do this show because people listen to it. But if I knew that nobody listened to it, I would probably wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Right? When when you write things, having other people read it is a large part of the joy, even if it's just your friends. You know. And if your friends are talking yeah. about how they're treating GP25's latest book and it was way more <laughs> engaging than yours, and it's like, oh, well, shoot. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, fan fiction is still really popular, and there's, like, it's yeah. it's not 
maybe good in the way that like you know uh professional novelists work is good but there's still something interesting about it and i think especially because like you do find it circulating around communities and there's known authors and like i i would read my friend's fiction even if it wasn't very good if my friend was like you know i wrote this and uh i'd, I'd like to know what you think about it or whatever I think there's like a social aspect to it that I don't think GPT-2 is going to do away with because you don't really care about like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to like follow GPT-2 in People magazine or like, oh, what are they doing? You know, um, and, and we still have like nerds who listen to vinyl. So like there will always be that like desire for like the old vintage stuff that people used to enjoy five years ago. Right. So, yeah, you it actually wouldn't be that hard to eliminate podcasts like the lowest common. Oh, we're screwed. Podcasts. All you would need. <laughs> all, all you would need is like some transcripts and just text to speech yeah. i mean the technology is not there but you know five ten years yeah we'll be out of the job this could <laughs> i think there's some youtube channels that are like that already oh there actually are oh yeah. oh yeah they're 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 oh they're there's some crazy the, the 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 automated oh, you know what that's a whole other topic but there's like automated programs that make videos for kids oh and god oh i i saw a thing about this on reddit yeah the, there's a great ted talk about it Oof. If it's what I'm thinking of, or like it's bizarrely sexual and stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, it, I mean, some can get there on accident, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just, it's just the recycled crap that three-year-olds love. But uh, it, it can, yeah, go in bizarre places because the machines have no idea what they're doing. I imagine making just like standard lather, rinse, repeat episodes of like Teletubbies would be remarkably easy for a computer to do it in, in today's tech, right? So, mm. yeah, it'd be hard to imagine paying people to get in puffy suits to do that shit anymore. When you could just do CGI ones for a fraction of the cost and make them every three seconds, yeah. and they take thirty minutes to watch, yep. so yeah, 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 wild stuff. I realize I have some dead air going on. Uh, <laughs> I'm j- I'm just thinking about three year olds being entertained by these algorithms that any adult could see are just dumb, but three year olds really like them. And how different is a three year old from like a souped up GPT two? That, plus, I mean, like, not not to put down people who enjoy some games, but, like, they make a new Call of Duty every single year, and it's, exact, it's exactly like the last one, right? Yeah, so. we, we like some amount of repetition as humans. Dude, I have sex, like, at a rate that is less than, more than zero, and it's, it's, it's not that different from time to time. You know, a few things change up, but somehow I'm just liking those same motions over and over. It's weird. All right. Teletubbies, uh... Shoot, first-person shooter video games sex i definitely see how we se- how we seem like gpt2 robots <laughs> jumping from from topic to topic <laughs> yeah. hmm. um what, what's your schedule like uh alexander oh, are we yeah. i think we're over your time we had some delays getting started here oh uh no i'm fine um i don't have that much more to add uh as far as observations or yeah like what I've seen it do, or what the paper implies that the better version of it can do. Um, How long do you think until we get something like really souped up that'll that'll make people question? I guess people are already questioning: was this written by an AI or a human? But like that'll make people question: does this AI know what it's saying? Yeah. Well, um, does it know what it's saying? That I think we're okay. quite a ways from. Uh, a lot of a lot of there are a lot of expert systems right now. Like a lot of sports articles are just written by mm. computer already, and a lot of a lot of business articles too, which is uh, especially concerning because there are also uh, robots that read these 
business articles and make trading decisions <laughs> based on them. At so some point, humans will be out of have... the financial loop entirely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're already we're already getting painfully close to that. Um, there was a there was a flash crash of the market that was pinned on high frequency trading alg- alg- algorithms. It yeah, wasn't like two years ago, right? That happened in yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it wasn't anything that happened in like the fundamentals of the market. It was just robots trading back and forth and then they like started panic selling because <laughs> other robots were I, I, it's it's just this this emergent mm-hmm. system that has that not that much relationship to anything that's actually happening but yeah they're they're business articles that um are written by robots and consumed by robots already so this is sort of it's sort of a, a matter of um gpt2 which is an excellent multitasker trying to edge into uh, what are currently um, expert systems or expert systems with some neural network um, backend a little bit. So I, I think we're basically there as far as was this written by a person or or a computer? Because there, there are a lot of articles I've read where I thought, oh, this is probably a huh. computer. Right. Just because it, uh, for sports articles especially, they'll they'll just, you know, they have a list of, statistical things that happened in the game that were recorded by someone and they'll just spit out an article about you know what the uh least likely things were or that are in a certain style but that's that's not um that's all bespoke it's not as part of a multitasker i think i think it'll be you know in a year or two we'll probably see something like gpt2 being used in the wild as outside of like a novelty website like um uh, StyleGAN has a couple of them now. Uh, like, it, this person is not real. Wait, yeah, what? that was what I was talking about before we started, that? Inyash. That's where that it amalgamated a bunch of human faces. I want to say like oh, 10 yeah. million. And then generated a bunch of human faces that don't actually belong to any individuals. They just look exactly like real people. Like, down to the, the irises, the eye lines, and everything. And then this was this tied in. I saw a thing on the programming subreddit yesterday Um where someone did this with uh, anime waifus, and it was like, your waifu is not real or something. And then when I was reading it, it was on Gwern's website. Gwern put this together. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I'm an artist, <laughs> yeah. and there's a, a bunch of AIs that draw now. Damn. When we were talking about like uh, writers being replaced by a writing robot, there's already a lot of robots that do art, and uh, they're getting better really fast. And like, th- that was one that hilarious one that uh, just generates anime girls. Mm. <laughs> It's that's the only thing yeah. it does, and it it does it really well. So uh, people were saying, well, you could just kind of use this to, you know, if you have a text-based game where there's just a static picture of a person, like you could make a video game and just use this as your art engine and not need to hire artists. So that's happening. That and as someone who likes being hired as an artist, that's probably sad to hear. Actually, <laughs> I, I've found it really uh, interesting so far. I mean, like there is the concern about down the road, or there's just going to be no artists. I don't think that's going to happen. I think humans like to make stuff too much. And I think they it, also like to be paid to make stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's the money thing too. I just like, you know, I, I want there to be UBI, and I think eventually we're gonna have to deal with that. Totally. Like, not, we've got robots now that can replace humans, um, or the you know prototypes of that. So we're gonna have to start having that conversation. But like, I, I think that I, I'm happy yeah. that some of these tools exist because I find that they're really good for option generation or for experimenting. There's a lot of art that's boring, and the same thing with writing because I've written too. There's there's the parts that are really exciting, the cool creative parts that you want to get into, like, oh, what does this character look like? Or, you know, I'm going to draw a building that looks like this. And then there's the, like, now I have to draw every brick mm-hmm. or every strand of hair. And you don't want to do that part. It'd be cool if you could just get a robot to do that part. 
Yeah, I think what we're going to see first is uh, people working with robots, mm -hmm. like rather than, than on their own. Um, and a lot of that is going to be labor saving, especially the labor that people don't really want to do. Um, I would love if there were like an editing robot that I could just send chapters to and it could be like, oh, point out a bunch of stuff. And we're, we're getting yeah, close there. Yeah, there's some pretty there. good editing tools. Uh, yeah. My, I, my experience has been that they do a lot mm -hmm. of false positives um, that make the editing not really that much faster. So, uh, But, I mean, we're getting there. Yeah, definitely. But, so, as far as, you know, people making money from art, um, the more labor that you can save, I think you get better art out of that if you, you know, one hour of human time is suddenly... Um, if you can do in one hour what used to take two hours, you're going to get better art out of that in theory. I don't think um, we have a shortage of art right now. I mean, there is more produced every minute than I could that I could uh, consume in a month. But, the, you know, the hard part is, I don't know, getting not just something that's well, good, but something that other people are also interested in at, at the same time. You want to appreciate art socially with other people. That's why things like We've Got Worm is so great. Yeah, I, I think for my my opinion is that uh, there there's so much art and media produced right now that you can choose to be picky, and it's more about um, either the top like one percent of quality, or um, the uh, what what your per particular uh, preferences are as far as subject matter or themes or um or things like that and that's where i think that's where i think labor saving helps a lot uh, because you can sort of expand your niche without um needing more people to get into it right like uh i don't know like like if you have a specific like you you want the 80s aesthetic right in your in your written work um there aren't that many options for that and if you start piling in more stuff like if you want a, the sci-fi future as imagined by the 80s um like how many people are actually writing that or, or like drawing that there's not an infinite amount of that to consume so as far as either having that stuff automatically generated you know from nothing by itself or labor saving for artists that's kind of where i think the application is is just expanding expanding the long tail of media i guess interesting real quick how do you um how well do you think this would work in things like debate as a, a debate partner to pull up quick facts for you from the internet or to check what your opponent is saying uh <laughs> um real-time fact checking we are I, I do not think that it's very good right now um partly because if you go I, like it can answer questions, but um, let me find some of the ones that. It, uh, yeah, it's not actually um, concerned with facts, right? It's not going and looking stuff up on the internet. It's predicting what word is going to come after this word. It can just make facts up wholesale. Yeah, so, so if enough people argue that the Earth is flat, it can find you facts that uh, that that's the case. Yeah. Like when Stephen Colbert saved the elephant population. <laughs> right. <laughs> <That was laughs> awesome. By having his listeners yeah. update the Wikipedia page. <laughs> So this was one of the um, there in the paper there were a bunch of question and answer ones um, and it's much worse at the Q and A stuff at the lower levels so the public version is worse at this but um, 
like the answer, what is the most common blood type in Sweden? And it says A, right? Yeah. And that is not correct. Um, and it said that with 70% probability that that was correct. So if it's going to do false positives like that, where it'll say, oh, I'm 70% certain that this is correct, and you just can't trust it all, then you can't use it for fact-checking. What if you hooked it up to Wolfram Alpha? Well, that's the thing. Is like Wolfram Alpha yeah. is already there, right? I mean, you you could maybe do it for coverage of things that aren't in Wolfram Alpha, or you could hook it up to... They excluded, I think, a lot of Wikipedia from... Um, from their yeah, web wasn't that text. because most other uh, text generative AIs use Wikipedia? Yeah. And they just didn't want it to kind yes. of look like all the other ones out there? Yeah, and I, that was part of the point. So you could hook more stuff in, and it would probably get more accurate, you know, to... But it, it's that's one of the things about it is that um, it's a very good multitasker, but for the specific tasks, there's so many bots out there and systems out there and programs that already are like hyper focused on those specific tasks that you don't need a neural network for like Wolfram Alpha just is looking at databases of facts which is all you really need for that kind of thing I think where I, I think where maybe there's some utility is in parsing a question and like knowing what type of answer it wants because some questions have are you know long and circuitous and um, it's hard to understand to what summarize the question, a question. Is even asking for. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so it might, it might be helpful in that for, for questions or statements that aren't, um, that aren't straightforward or, uh, specifically phrased for a, a robot. Did you hear the, uh, can an AI change your mind debate? I don't think I did. No. There there was, uh, God, I don't remember what podcast I heard it on. Probably the Reason podcast, now that I think of it. Uh, or maybe, no, no, no. It was the one of the Intelligence Squared ones, uh, where uh, an actual debater and an AI, who I think must have been a GPT-2 derivative, uh, or if not GPT-2 itself, uh, debated. They were given 20 minutes before the debate started the question, uh, something about, oh, uh, free kindergarten should be extended to everyone in America, or something along those lines. And the AI debated for, and the human debated against. And I mean, the human was obviously better. Uh, the, the He was more convincing, and the AI kind of repeated its same points over and over, and didn't, didn't, it was obvious it didn't have a deep understanding of anything. It was just so, so repeating some surface arguments. But it was surprisingly, like, articulate, and you could tell there was something there. It just wasn't very good. And that's what made me think maybe like if it had been combined with a human together, they could do a better job. Well, yeah, they could. And the, the other thing is that, you know, people aren't perfect thinking machines. And so if you just bombard someone with arguments and like you can, you can, it'd be pretty easy to get an AI like this one to, or I guess a language model like this one, because I don't think they call it an artificial intelligence. Um, but it'd be pretty easy to get one that can like do a gish gallop, right? Mm -hmm. Just bombard someone with sources and citations and stuff like that. And you don't actually need to make, you know, cogent arguments. You can just bury someone under, <laughs> that may be my dim view of how good people are at separating fact from fiction or actually evaluating an argument on its merits. But, um, well, you I, I think that's, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I think that's held up in like psychological studies. There are people that aren't paying attention yeah. or that have like motivated reasoning and are completely swayed by the Gish Gallup style of uh, debate, right. which is what could make something like GPT-2 kind of concerning. The other thing that I heard a lot of people uh, scaremongering is maybe the wrong word because I think it's a legit concern, but uh, talking about was fake news. This thing could be really good at generating fake news. Yeah. Yeah, and anything where you just don't care about the truth, you just care about... Um, <laughs> sheer amount of words generated. Sheer amount of words generated. <laughs> you can, you can, you know, it'd be it'd be so easy to set up like a hundred different websites or um, have a bunch of sock puppets that are just repeating the same talking points with enough variation that you can't actually tell that they're sock puppets, right? I mean, that, that sort of thing is done precisely now, but you tend to have people behind it doing it. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, you could, you could do this on, a, on an order of, on a scale that is not, that would make it so hard to weed past all the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you didn't actually have to have people behind this writing all these things, then yeah, it, I'll, I'll, this wasn't the first time this sort of thing had crossed my mind through this conversation and the level of talk, text analysis and stuff kind of brought a couple of political political figures to mind as well um <laughs> and and the disregard for you know basing their the assertions and facts uh mm-hmm. rings a bell as well um yeah that's that's disconcerting and i definitely don't see how that's going to be dodged i mean they mentioned how they're not releasing the full version but you know like you know i said that's going to come out eventually but i do like the idea of you know trying to pump the brakes a bit and say hold on before this thing gets out of, out of the out of control let's let's try and get some conversations going about how we're going to tackle this well in the debate where you could really tell it was an ai was the uh the second part where they like responded to each other uh the ai didn't i mean you could tell it didn't know what the other person was really saying it didn't respond like a human even if a human didn't know the answer and was just trying to gish gallop you they would find a clever way to like bring things around and dodge the question and stuff and the ai just basically acted like there hadn't been a question asked of it. It was it was interesting. I think that with things like this, at least for the next year or two, we could pretty quickly weed out the human from the AI by going with follow-up questions. Well, yeah, yeah but I think there's a couple things with that. One, I'm brought to mind of a bad debate I saw between Dinesh D'Souza and Peter Singer like 10, 12 years ago. Oh, where they just and talked past each other the whole time. Well, no, Peter, uh, Singer was engaging everything and Dinesh D'Souza was not, and he was just reading. He was just making this. He would he'd make the same things over and over every time it was his turn to talk. Yeah, it politicians like do that too. I mean, they're yeah. actually trained to do that. Oh yeah, you don't yeah. actually engage the question. You just like talk about the thing that you you know. Well, here's what I think about the economy. It's like yeah. that's not the question at all. <laughs> and and my, my concern isn't so much in us that we won't be able to discern whether these authors are people or not. Because I mean, right now, you know, the, these Russian bots are people, but that doesn't really matter. Like. I could talk to them if they were willing to engage and discern whether or not they were robots, but the point is they're putting out enough content that has enough clickbaity, shareable stuff to put on Facebook and Twitter that it it gets spread out, and yeah. nobody bothers to take the time to sit there and analyze, like, maybe this is not a person, or maybe this isn't true. Yeah, and, you get it, you... and, and on top of that, uh, you have selection effects in place, right? So if, if you're having bots generate a million tweets, it doesn't matter if half of them are crap or even you know 90% of them are crap. That are like obviously robots. The the stuff that's going to get shared and then seen is going to be the stuff that's the most human-like and the most compelling. Yeah, yeah it's so startling. I don't. It, it's going to be a, a problem. It's already. I mean, it's an extension of the problems that we already have, though, which we already can't solve. So, a, a quick question. I have. I've sort of gotten to the point where I don't really believe anything anymore (laughs) 
if I see it, I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder if it's true. And uh, are you? I think this might be bad in general for human society. Is do you guys find yourself reacting that way to the just overwhelming mass of disinformation out there? Or what strategies do you use? I do that all the time. And there was that. Uh, the most recent example was who was that actor from not The Wire? I don't know that actor who paid people to beat him up and then claimed he was assaulted by Trump supporters. Oh yeah, yeah. When I heard that he was jumped by Trump supporters out leaving something, uh, someone told me about this and I was like, oh man, if that's true, that really sucks. Is mm-hmm. what is what I actually said, and then it turns out it wasn't. But it when I hear something that sounds like it really fits a narrative, especially you know, and there's there's you know other other side news too that does the exact same thing where it's like, oh that. Yeah, that sucks if that's true, and you know it, it swings the other way. Um, I I would like to think that if I cared enough, I could dig into any each any individual instance and see if there's something to it. But even I mean, that could take a day, you know, to see if this author's real or something, right? Like that that could take forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's on one hand, I want to say increasing the amount of skepticism out there is a good thing for humanity. Like I, I would actually like it if people didn't believe everything they read on the internet or saw on Facebook and fact checked it first but uh there's the extent to which like how, how easy is it going to be to fact check some of this stuff yeah and, and also yeah what, what steven was just talking about it fact checking everything does get to be really exhausting and do we have heuristics for a reason because we're trying to conserve me- like mental power for things that are actually important <laughs> rather than like is that news story true yeah totally i think even just fact checking one thing can be exhausting like i said i mean if you're digging in to see if did this really happen that could take most of a day yeah. um and since and, you don't have time for all that, your heuristic is what feels the most emotionally true to me, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, it's not even so much just everything. Cause you, could, you could, especially, like, skimming through a, a Twitter feed or something, could cross 50 things, and that would take you two months. But, like, just one thing, I can't think of anything I've read recently that I cared enough about to dig at for half a day. But I think my, my current strategy is, like, I'll see something like, huh, well, I guess we'll see what happens when the dust settles in a couple weeks. Yeah. And then usually if something happens, there's follow-up, and I'll, I'll get something on it from that. Um, I I mean, I try generally not to talk about very recent things on the podcast for that reason. Like, maybe it's entirely different from what we think. And I also do the... Uh, my, my main rule is I don't share something before Googling it. And, I mean, that Man, doesn't that, weed out that everything, a, but that, that is that is so far above and beyond what almost anybody does. That's super awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it doesn't weed out everything, but it gets, like, the most surface level obvious crap out the door right away and you know just if i don't want to share something i don't necessarily google it i'll be like oh interesting and you like you said if that's true that's a bummer but if i actually share it then i google it first yeah i tend i tend to completely ignore uh anecdotes like things that happen to one person Mm -hmm. as being not irrelevant but like there are so many things that happen that a single person is always such a you know, that doesn't tell you anything about statistical distributions, right? Yeah, you're like, oh, that's one data point. Yeah, it's it's one it's one data point. And it's, you, you know, because of the way social media works, it's the most, um, usually, it's usually the most vitrolic and biased data point that compelled people to share, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I care a lot more about statistical trends or, like, hard data. I tend not to read... You know news articles anymore um especially since most of them are like a mangling of some primary source yeah like for for gtp2 you know i'm, I'm gonna there there are people i trust on 
certain things, but um, I would way rather just go read the primary source and spend my time on that and then question the biases of that author, you know, as a better way. I mean, even even studies are, you got to worry about p-hacking, you got to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of different stuff if you read the primary source of a study too, but there's so much of news that I just have to, like, push to the side as being basically irrelevant to anything. Because, I mean, as people, we're very individualized and we focus on those individual things so much more and that's always what gets the most play as far as uh, outrage culture and stuff goes I don't know it's one of those things I think about a lot um, but I I basically just have to sequester myself as a coping mechanism how how big is GPT-2 like if I were to want to download it and run it on my laptop would it melt my machine or uh, nope, it is uh, it is four point five. Okay, no, the I I got I don't I just downloaded a virtual machine um, mm-hmm. for it, which was four gigabytes I think. Um, you do not need that much if you are going to go through the work of setting up um, Python and the dependencies and stuff like that. But I just downloaded a virtual machine that was open at the console window, so I had to could skip all that stuff, but that. Um, and it runs on my uh, netbook just fine. It takes a while. Like, you put in your prompt, and then you're just waiting there for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute or something because it, you know, um, it's a netbook and it's, it's uh, underpowered. But it's it's not very big. I mean, it's, not, very... it's not that much work to run. So it, it doesn't have the storage of everything it read with that 4 gigs, does it? No, the, uh, everything it read is 40 gigabytes. So this is just the neural network that was generated from training on that 40 gigabytes of data. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I am. the only stuff it knows is stuff that's in the neural network. Like it, I mean, even in, in its full form, it's never referring back to any articles or something. It's just referring to, what's, to, to the weightings in the neural network. That is so cool. So you're an author. Have you tried to make this thing do some work for you? Like write a short story or two and try to sell it somewhere? <laughs> uh, not yet. I was thinking that I would try to do that just for the novelty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I think it, it could w- be cool for idea prompt. Yeah. It, uh, well, and I, I said I was trying to do uh, magic items for D&D. Because I, I, um, I write Worth the Candle, which is a, a lit RPG. And it has a bunch of D&D items. And I was like, yeah, I could just make new ones or at least get inspiration from it middling success on that because um, it, it kind of like it kind of likes to wander off or just it's like do nonsense in, in the style of item descriptions because you feed it like five item descriptions and hope to get a sixth back and it just is like it's in the style of it but it's not saying anything and it's not even that good for <laughs> idea generation because it's just it's just words that, that like I'm trying to make sense of I don't know. I so I I haven't had a lot of luck with that so far. Um, I'm going to be trying more short story generation tonight to see if you can like hammer something into shape. Because nice. I do think I do think the promise is in the centaur approach, but it's a question of I, I think I'll probably spend more time on it than if I just wrote a short story because I like to write a short story pretty fast. Um, trying to do it with a computer and then editing all of its like garbage into something that makes sense on more than just a surface level 
I, I want to try it, but I'm I'm not optimistic at all. <laughs> I would be fascinated for you to get back to us like in a few days and just let us know how that went. Yeah, I will. Cool. All right. Well, I think we've been going on for a while. We, sh- uh, we should probably wrap it up. Is there anything any of you guys wanted to say, ask? I'm still feeling pretty bummed about how we're talking about how this is just this nightmare fake news factory. Is there any good news? Or any 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 optimism we can draw from this development? Hey, soon humans will be obsolete. Um, better machine translation, better question answering, um, better summarization of news, uh, which is, I mean, we might run into the problem where uh, you have AI generating fake news and then AI summarizing that fake news, but Mm -hmm. um, we were just talking about how it is hard to uh, do fact-checking. That would be a lot easier if you could do automatic summaries of, of various things. I don't know how, I mean, that kind of somewhat defeats the purpose of a deep dive, but um, it would help a lot to to be able to have automatically generated abstracts, at least, so that you would know going into um, reading through an article whether whether it was worth your time or not. If if it could do, like, at least get you the central thrust. Again, summarization, one of the things that it's worst at, and it's still pretty good, but... That's interesting, because, like, there's those, like summary bots on reddit that you know you link to a news source and it'll give you three par- paragraph synopsis of it which it just grabs direct quotes i think yeah um, it, it does uh i think the most popular one is a it does sentence entropy so it's like picking out the most important sense sentences from the article but that's still pretty good because there's a lot of fluff in a lot of those articles yeah i love those summary bots it i mean if i care enough i'll read the full thing but i've done that where i've compared the full thing against the summary and yeah, it seems to capture most of the essential information. And I, f- I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so this could be even better than those at summary and abstracts drawing and stuff. So yeah, I, I think there's some good news. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what people actually end up using it for. Yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> right. Uh, was there anything you wanted to say? And you should also plug Worth the Candle real quick and tell people where they can find that. Yeah, uh, Worth the Candle, just Google it, I guess. It's on <laughs> it's it's on archive of our own. Um, it's got a long URL, and but I think it's the top result. And if it's not, just... We'll just, add a link in the show notes as well. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. That's, that's the current thing I'm writing. Um, I'm always writing new stuff. So uh, I one of the things that I am currently working on as sort of a... My second project for when that's done is um, one that's based around this kind of thing, um, of like the the marriage between neural networks and automatic generation systems and how we sort of use them and react to them. So that that'll be in like a year or two, though. So <laughs> sounds awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And if you uh, if you get any results back from your your experiments tonight in the next couple of days, let us know. We'll we'll include those too. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Good night. All right. Good, good night. night. Okay. On to our less wrong post discussion section of the show. Yay. Uh, the two. Well, the first of the two that we're doing today is Tsuyuku Naritai versus the egalitarian instinct. Did I say that right? You said close enough. You said the first part, right? You said e- you said egalitarian. It's egalitarian e- instinct. So you got the English <laughs> I was, wrong. I was focusing so much on the Japanese. <laughs> so you 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 Japaneseified the English word. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, no worries. Um, 
All right, so the my my one sentence summary of this is just like kind of where we've evolved impulses as social primates to like not want to I guess showboat when we're being exceptional, mm-hmm. um, but basically this doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Yeah, and that you know there's there might be good reasons for humility to to. I don't know, not say how easy something was or, you know, yeah, I guess I am the best at that. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't actually try to be the best. Yeah. So I think it, it's just maybe, I'm assuming this is some response to feedback on the Tsuruk and Aitai episode, on post, but... It, it seemed to me, I don't know, it, it seemed like it was just a postscript to Tsuruk and Aitai and they could have almost been one post. But here's the weird thing. I recall the first time I read this being, like, really... I don't know if moved is the right word, but I was like, yeah, that's right, exactly, you know, going along with it. I was like, I, I was very happy to see this. And now going back and reading it, it it didn't really touch anything in me at all. And I don't know if that's because I've changed or what, but... You're just less humble now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, maybe you just totally took it to heart and you're reading it now and you're like, yeah, obviously. Anyway, but it, it basically... Um, are you familiar with the... the this was made all the rounds i think about a year ago it's been going on forever though because obviously hunter gatherers the insulting the meat um thing Mm -mm. okay there's a there's a not a hunter gatherer tribe anymore but like a a tribe that's still very much in the old living sense uh and they hunt their they hunt for meat and uh if someone comes in with like a really impressive game uh catch that they you know they did most of the work themselves they everyone knows they did this right uh, when they bring in the meat, they're like, oh, man, this is bad meat. And, like, everyone in the tribe insults the meat. Oh, I did hear something about this recently. Yeah. Where did I hear this? I, you wouldn't know, but right, something recently. Yeah, it was... It, it, but it was... Everyone knows it's good meat, and they're still all impressed with what he did. But, like, they say, yeah, we gotta we gotta keep people humble, you know, so they don't get too big heads or anything. And it's, it's, a, it's a weird... It's a weird ritual, but... A lot of, I'm like, every society has that, right? Yeah, some th- more than others. I think I just saw this, like, in a link in a Slate st- in the comment section of a Slate Star Codex post on Reddit or something. It was something obscure, but I just saw something like that in the last week where oh. it was like, don't insult the meat, and it was a hyperlink. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And okay. so I, I, I just read about this. Okay, yeah, so so the goal is to keep the 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 triumphant murderer of this uh, I guess not whatever that the, the <laughs> successful hunter of this of this food humble by saying it's okay yeah okay yeah, yeah. Right. I've had better yeah right had yeah anyone remember liar liar that was yes that, classic. <laughs> that was that line reminds me of did you are you no. was that a direct reference or was that an no answer? I didn't uh, I haven't seen it oh it was it's a great movie if you can't if you can stand whatever late 90s or early 2000s Jim Carrey hmm. um, the premise is he can't lie for a day and he's this asshole lawyer and mm. he first discovers this when he takes. He's got some girl that he took home for the night. His and boss. She, oh, it was his boss. And yes. She was like, well, "That was a great night, huh?" And he's like, ah, "I've had better." <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like laughing at himself in the mirror. He's like, "Why would I say that?" <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's my movie digression. It's that time of the night. I kept it together for the podcast or for the for the guest mostly. So I'm proud of you. I'm all over the place. Thank you. But um, <laughs> it was basically a post pushing back against that, saying, "You know what? If you." do keep trying to make yourself strong and make yourself better, you will be, you know, possibly better than some people. You run the risk of succeeding. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's okay. Just keep trying your best. There'll be other people that are better than you in most other things. And that's fine too. People are not all the same and different people can excel in different things and stop trying to 
stifle everything and keep everybody at the same level of meh. Yeah, I like that. There was um a just in the insect in interests of everyone being egalitarian. Yeah, and I think it, it's tough because there was actually a good a good little quote in there that I didn't pull out that was, um, you know, you might be better than than the average person at some things, but you know, the average person's better than uh, people who are below average at things by definition, right? <laughs> and so, you know, somebody could charge you with like, why would you try and do better than them? That's so rude of you. <laughs> and it's like, oh well, come on, we're not going to buy that. You know, it's like I I might suck at math. That doesn't mean that you should like suck at it yeah too. that you should suck at it too certainly yeah. what if anything it should mean that unless we have an agreement like we're friends and i won't be offended if you're better than me at it that you don't rub it in my face yeah. right if i if i if i'm thin-skinned about it or something but that doesn't mean that just because you know people or people in your tribe aren't uh you know i think that's it is if you try you might run the risk of actually succeeding and to i just it doesn't even seem to in my reading of the post didn't even really seem to like admonish that you ought to be to express humility it's saying that it might be politically savvy for you to be to express humility if you absolutely must express humility then i guess go ahead and do that seemed to be kind of the vibe going on there i think yeah it, it was sort of a take pride in your accomplishments sort of feel and i think one of the reasons it probably talked to me more back then was because i had i was closer to high school and in high school there's a lot of like you know you get nerd shamed or at least Back in my day, you did, you know? Nerds are totally accepted now, Inyash. It's, you know it's 2019. What? They, right? <laughs> they control the world now, so now they pick on jocks in high school? Is this how it works? I think they get the robots to beat them up. Oh, yeah. sweet. We didn't have robots back in my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you couldn't just, like, flash your iPhone at someone and stun them. I, I think <laughs> it is. I think it's partly a cultural shift, too. I think it's only been recently, and I guess I'm not super into the community or, or the cutting edge, but, you know, I, I talk with people in the rationalist community who are working on trying to find, like, non-asshole ways of saying, yes, I'm successful, and it's because of rationality. Mm. Um, like, that's that's a, to, in edges, at least, to the community that I'm, I'm involved with directly, that's so, sort of a new position. Like, you know, you don't want to be, I don't know, saying, yes, I'm doing well or something, right? And, you know, to give it credit to this, I think that's kind of where we, this post was going. It's like, hey, if you guys start kicking ass because you go to cognitive sciences and biases and stuff... Uh, don't feel ashamed to plug the old rationality thing. <laughs> I think a lot of that was just beat into, I don't know if us in general, but me anyway in high school, the, you know, don't display your smartness because you'll get punished for it. And this is uh, like saying, you know what, fuck it. That's a lot of uh, religious communities too. There's like the whole mm-hmm. idea about how you're not supposed to take credit for things you have done because God did it. And right. nobody's better than anybody else because we're all children of God. Yeah, I got to say that that maddens me a lot whenever I see some of that sentiment, you know, is, isn't God great this happened? And I know we, we've been railing on religion lately. Maybe we're on a kick, <laughs> but I, I don't like that sentiment because you never see it in reverse. And it's like, oh, man, God sucks. He just killed all those babies in New Orleans because that's not God's fault. But the response to it is when people give money and time and run out there to go help, that's God helping. Like, no, that's people helping. Mm-hmm. We don't make the weather. We just we, we help. And I, I love the. There's a, a charitable interpretation of the sentiment, like, look for God in the human response. That sounds like a, you know, almost uh, um, Mr. Rogers vibe, right? And that's super wholesome and friendly. Like, no, no, look for look for kindness in the response to tragedy and that sort of stuff. I like that. Yeah. But attributing it to an agent rather than, like, taking, taking it from the person, um, that sounds like a drag. Yeah, there's ways it can be um, phrased in such a way. Like, I like that Mr. Rogers or Rogers-y phrasing, um, but I have, like, seen it really explicitly 
being used to rebuke young people for being too uh, high and mighty. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, like I'm thinking about like specifically uh um, I don't know. So there's some religions that it seems to be the more uh, fundamentalist ones. Like they, I, I don't know if it maybe because I'm trying to figure out where this kind of egalitarian instinct maybe comes from. I feel like psychologically there might be something useful. Or there might have been if uh, in, you're in like a pretty scarce society to tell people don't like push yourself up as being higher than the rest of the community because they need everybody to be, you know, to to be prioritizing the community. Not that I'm trying to say that <laughs> I disagree with the post either, but I'm just trying to figure out where it came from. You know, this is on my mind because we were literally just talking about Harry Potter before the show started, which uh, if you are a Patreon sponsor, you can hear. It's for our Patreons only in the extras bits. Uh, but we the this we were saying like how some people really hate Harry at the at the beginning of Harry Potter and the Messes of Rationality, right? And like I even knew someone who very nerdy, good friend of mine, very smart started reading it and was like harry potter is such a little asshole he's like a jerk and he's all arrogant and jumped up and when we were talking about this just now i was like harry potter was fully embracing that tsukunari tai versus egalitarian instinct he was like i'm you know here's some things i'm good at the certain kinds of smartness and i'm happy about it and proud about it and i'm not gonna like hide it and try to pretend that i'm a muggle there was a great line in the latter part of the book it was during one of the wars when it was just him and neville versus hermione's army and the rest of of chaos legion was fighting dragon army and he was like what am i supposed to be the last person in the school to notice how awesome i am (laughs) 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 which is about as arrogant as he gets but this was like i think i brought this up with um in my undergraduate uh uh psych major i had to take an abnormal psych class which was like the whatever psychological diagnoses for disorders and stuff and it was like one of those stadium seating things. There's like two, three hundred people, and I was constantly up in the balcony because I liked up there, and I'd be raising my hand to ask questions. And the teacher was, in, you know, was willing to engage me, shouting over the balcony. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I asked was like narcissism or something, narcissistic personality disorder. And I was like, what if you really just are as awesome as you think you are? Mm-hmm. Like, was Isaac Newton a narcissist? I mean, he'd probably been a nightmare to interact with, mm-hmm. but he he basically was as badass maybe as he thought he was, right? Yeah. So like. Is, is is the grandiosity, is the delusion of grandiosity a necessary requirement for this disorder? And I, I think, I don't remember what the answer was, probably depends. Like, if it's ruining your life, it's basically when it's a problem. Okay. Um, or when it's diagnosed. Or making everyone else hate you, which I guess would ruin your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that friend of mine, I think she specifically didn't like Harry because he talked back to adults. I've heard that from a lot of people who've read the story, particularly mm-hmm. adults who have kids. Yeah, yeah. Or are teachers. Kids. But, um... That's really weird to me because it's like this, okay, children should be submissive mindset, which if the kid is right, then the kid's right. right. <laughs> you got to like, you know, as the adult, you should be a little bit more modest and maybe be like, oh. <laughs> I, I think it's that same instinct of people should know their place in society yeah. and not like, you know, act like they're better than everyone else yeah, and you wants could, them to be. You could see where it was adaptive probably, you know, back in the day for kids to be submissive, but not anymore. Not, or not as much. Yeah. Not if they're Harry Potter, James Evans, Varys. Yeah, I think the hard part is that, like, in a lot of ways, most kids aren't people. And, like, that's one of the things that Harry points out is, like, oh, sure, I'm not a person, I'm just a kid, and something to that effect. But, like, the the, the parent who has to spend an hour arguing with their, you know, the, the hunter-gatherer parent arguing with their kid about, like, why you shouldn't go over and play near that lake that's full of alligators, like, that kid's just going to get eaten, right? Because they're going to either not agree, and they're going to go over and get eaten, or they're going to burn their parent out or whatever, right? Well, even We sort of have that to... now with traffic, right? but... 
even the parent that has to argue with their kid in the middle of a grocery store why they can't have another, you know, bag of lollipops or something is, is going to feel that same way. Yeah, I'm really interested in running the experiment on my niece that, like, just treating her like a, like a human adult the whole time. Because it worked on my cousin. Yeah. She, but she, she, I think she's exceptional. I think, you know, we'll see where my niece is at. I'm sure she'll be great, too. But, like, just... You know, I could imagine being at the store with some screaming kid, but I guess I'm not mine because mine, mine wouldn't do that, whatever. <laughs> but I think if you have the rapport of like being a reasonable person to engage the whole time, which mm. the hard part is like kids, can't, you can't reasonably engage. I know we're pretty far afield, but whatever. When they're kids and they, they're just mad and they don't know why, mm. like they, they, they can't articulate their own feelings. Um, quick side sidebar. Uh, Anna Harris, Sam Harris's wife, teaches meditation to children as young as five and six. Mm. Teaches what? Meditation. Oh. Um, just basic like introspection, but mm-hmm. they can get children, I think around the age of five plus or minus a year to like label their emotions mm-hmm. and just the presence of minds to be like, Oh yeah, I am happy or I am sad. Like that, re- that reflective awareness of your, of your emotional state. <laughs> a lot of state, adults don't have that. A lot mm-hmm. of adults don't have that. Exactly. And so if a kid can look in and be like, I'm mad right now. And you know, if, if they're aware enough of that, I think that must, I imagine that that's the kind of child you can engage with, yeah. you know, in who's having a fit in the storm. Like you're, you're upset right now, aren't you? Do you want to talk about it? Um, I think, I don't know. Well, I, I'm kind of the best part about being an uncle as opposed to a parent is that like the kid's not my problem. Yeah. So like if it just won't shut up, I take it back to its mom's house and it's, it's her problem again. Right. Like they're referring to it as an it. Yeah. <laughs> now it's an it. Now that it's a problem. She's not a problem. She, she's the person when she's fine. When it's making noise and it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, I don't know, until I was in my mid twenties, always just treated kids like people like other adults yeah i mean not as experienced but whatever and kids seem to really love me which i was like okay that's weird but sure whatever and i didn't really put two together uh then i started being socialized with how adults are supposed to treat kids and like now it's really hard for me to go back uh but yeah kids not not nearly as fond of me anymore I think you just talk to him and be like, "Hey, what are you up to?" You know, yeah. what, do you, what do you, you know, I don't know. Talk to him like you would a person. Right now, now it's a, it's a weird thought. Maybe it's, it's, it's easier. harder to do now. I don't know why. I just I've gotten to the point where like, oh, you are a fragile alien object, and or I or like a pet or something. Yeah. No, it's it's much easier to interact with kids on that level as if they were a pet. I had to deal with a lot of kids when I worked at the library, and I had a really hard time trying to treat all the kids like people. Um, that thing with uh, methods of rationality and I'm trying to form a coherent thought here there's some kids that are you know uh, prodigies I I know a lot of kids that uh, had been child prodigies really love methods of rationality because they related to Harry a lot Mm -hmm. and I think um, I really liked the Harry character because I could think back to being a kid and feeling frustrated with not being treated like a person and I think a lot of kids harbor resentment around that so the reason they probably really loved you is that they they don't get that from adults in their life Hmm. they don't get any kind of validation of like oh your your feelings are valid you know this thought you had is interesting (laughs) uh so yeah I try to keep that in mind It, it does get difficult though with the kids that are more frustrating to deal with yeah who tend to have less of that kind of theory of mind going on or are just like very impulsive or kids that have behavioral problems just act out and want to throw things. Mm. You know, <laughs> you can't reason with that kid as easily as you can with the kid that like is reading N.K. Jemison right. and like programming in Python. I, I related to the character of Harry from Methods of Rationality because I wished I was a child prodigy <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I wish I was that cool as a kid. <laughs> but yeah, I think unless you, you had any desire for that sort of... of outstandingness or were that kid then it, you know i could see i'd be off-putting to some people i think we were talking about like some of the critiques of the show of the of the 
the character before we started recording. And one thing is that, like, people who don't really know what to expect, they get into it, and they're like, that's not an 11-year-old, this is stupid. And it's it's not like the, the author's unaware that's not how 11-year-olds usually talk. And there's an in-universe explanation for why this kid is weird, so, yeah. Well, he was also, like, an author mouthpiece, but I think Yukowski was a child prodigy. Yeah. He was, and, and he I was... Mean, there that, are that's true on both counts. that do talk like that. Yeah, yeah I've met some. Yeah. Um, it's uncanny. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I think uh, it was... It's a, it's a an aside thing, but yeah. Um, Should like, we move... Yeah, the the last I'll read us on to the next one with the, with the end quote from this last post, which was Saruku Tai. I'll always run as fast as I can, even if I pull ahead. I'll keep on running, and someone someday will surpass me. But even though I fall behind, I'll always run as fast as I can. And that's yeah, that's that's sort of like the same spirit, you know. Like I don't have to be the best in the world, but I'm gonna be the best me that I can be. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I the way that you put it last time resonated with me a lot. It was like I'm not gonna compare myself to the Olympic athlete. I compare myself to myself. And I'm gonna beat me. At yep. It. That, that's important. I love that. That that should have been in this. That should have been in the thing. That's that's the way I, I paraphrase in my head all the time now. Cool. Um, all right. Statistical bias. Statistical bias. Quite quotes. In quotes. Yeah. Uh, so this one at first really intimidated me because it had like a bunch of math and math isn't like an intuitive thing to me. I had to like sit down and analyze it to understand what it was saying, and it took some time and some effort. But uh, really. It, it, in my opinion, you could have stripped out the math from this post entirely. It just seemed to be saying that when a system is biased to to not give a correct result, then running many tests will eventually it'll converge onto a result, but that may not be the correct result. Like for example, if you roll a six-sided die, you may not necessarily know what side is going to come up but if you keep rolling it long enough eventually you'll notice that the six comes up 16.6 percent of the time uh unless it's a way to die and then there's bias in the system and if you keep rolling it thousands of times you'll eventually get to the six comes up like 21 percent of the time you'll be like oh that's interesting dies come up on six 21 percent of the time okay which is it's just wrong but it's not because you were doing the experiments wrong or doing the statistical analysis wrong. Everything you were doing was right. It's just the system has an inherent bias in it. I'm with you. I think the post could have been done without math. And part of me wonders if it was just like running with the, with the theme of the last post. Of like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't have to be this smart when I wrote this, but I am. And here you go. Okay. I don't think that was an expressed goal, but uh, it's, it made me kind of chuckle when I thought of that. Um, the example he gave was the emperor of China is actually 200 centimeters and if the in the u.s on average people think he's 190 centimeters with a variation of like 10 centimeters you can serve you can ask one person and he'll say he's 180 centimeters and they'll be off by 10 and someone else will say he's 100 uh he's 200 centimeters and uh they'll they'll actually be correct but if you keep surveying enough people they'll all converge onto 190 and that's through the law of large numbers, you eventually got to what the system believes his height is, even though they're off by 10% statistically. Or in reality, rather, they're off by 10 centimeters. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm just noticing how many of the, the variables in the equations here are E and Y, which are Eliezer Zierdkowski's <laughs> initials. Maybe that's why he got into math. <laughs> it was easy for him to keep his attention. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to that other than... I this is one of the posts that like I think it sets up for for other posts better than it does stand on its own. Yeah. And there's yeah. not a lot to really, you know, gain and run with here. It doesn't inspire me. I don't remember it in a way that, you know, 
anything yeah. like that. Sometimes um, systems will be biased and give you information that does not accurately reflect the real world, no matter how much you, no matter how good your methods are. Yeah, I think this post was meant to specifically uh, lay groundwork for and lead into the next one, the useful statistical biases. But uh, in of itself, it's kind of just stating a fact about statistics. Okay. Well, if we'd thought ahead with more than a couple hours-ish before the podcast, we would have read the third one with this, but it was a suspense for a couple of weeks. Huzzah. Yeah. Um, wasn't I going to plug something in a video game joke or something at some point? I can't remember. I was like, oh, that'll go in the video game chat later. And I remember you saying that, and I don't remember what it was. Mm. Ah, well. No one, the world will never know. No. I've been playing through Red Dead Redemption 2 a little bit. I'm not burning too much time playing games, but I'm I'm being I've actually been really busy the last month, which is great. Um, but playing that a bit, and it's interesting. Like, uh, I've I've complained about the game a lot, and there's still like the clunky mechanics and stuff. And there's like there's this bullshit completionist stuff where like if you mm-hmm. want to go through and like oh get get the hundred percent, you gotta do a bunch of completely out of character stuff for like somebody who's like you know an outlaw trying to like you know do outlawy stuff. It's like oh collects like fifty of these flowers. It's like no fuck that. <laughs> um, but. Man, it does a good job of making you actually care about the characters. Like, I went through a part where it's not really a spoiler. Some characters die. And I'm like, oh, shit, not them. Mm. And so, yeah, it does It does a good job really in that way. Worse. In the second half, it, like, goes off the rails. Yeah. Oh, I showed you the donkey review is why. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's where I got <laughs> Yeah, I got, to the, I got past that part. And that oh, was, okay. That was sort of a drag, yeah. Ah, but then um, it gets better again. Um, Kind of. I'll spoil it off air. Okay. Um, but yeah, no new fun video games yet. I was plugging the movie Polar with Mads Mikkelsen. That wasn't that good, but it was great. If you like John Wick, you'll love this movie. Um, what else is new and fun? I think I, I missed sorry. the chance to make a joke about GDP too. Oh. G GPT. PT, yes. What was the joke? Uh, which was that I started playing Kingdom Hearts 3, and I'm pretty sure that that's what wrote the script for the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everything fun. I've read about and seen reviews of Kingdom Hearts 3, I totally see where you're coming from. That it was highly ambitious it seemed like a really like fun project like let's finally bring all these things together but it was in its execution it missed a lot of the marks and has a lot of really annoying components is that about sum it up oh i'm particularly just talking about the story and like the character dialogue is just so bizarre the story's gotten so convoluted over the you know there's like been three console games and god knows how many handheld games i think it's like the eighth one right yeah i think so, so. it can count just like gpt2 does <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've decided that all the weird diversions and like all the extra characters they've added like everything is canon they're going to completely commit to it so you'll have wow. like mickey and then like a final fantasy looking character walking through a world literally called the realm of darkness which is made up of black lava with blue glowing bits talking about like the nature of consciousness and like souls and stuff and <laughs> kind of just like what am i playing right Dude. now like, you keep getting like broken out of the experience by just how like some bizarre stuff like people start oh, talking man. about the fact that um some characters have like there's you the character and then you have a heartless which is your dark version then there's a nobody which is what happens when a heartless is created and that's the extra stuff and then there's also data versions of characters so like the main character will just be talking about like yeah and then like that was the thing that data sora did in the data world (laughs) this totally feels like like the the jrpgs of like the early 2000s yeah i'm getting flashbacks from the final fantasies around then i think final fantasy plays a big part in kingdom hearts yeah so totally gotta pick up this kingdom hearts thing I think you gotta start from the bottom, or start from start from the early ones. You it's a fun game. Like I, I enjoy the game mechanics. Uh, some of it's kind of clunky, and I don't like the number of QTEs that they kept adding into it. QTEs? But um, the the quick time events where it's oh, like you'll be fighting God, a battle, and then it's like, oh, press this button really fast, yeah. and now you do a cool flip thing, but you're not in control of the character. You're just watching a cutscene. Yeah. 
Spider-Man for PS4 did that a lot. And, well, not a lot. I guess it did an okay number of those. What I didn't like, and I actually disabled this in the settings where it's like, you know, you got to slam the square button a bunch of times to lift this car fast enough. I'm like, that's super annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, it's, you know, my thumb clicks when I bend it too much because I have, <laughs> I call it video game thumb from like a kid <laughs> smashing the A button too much. Um, and that's, that's not even but, really a game mechanic. So what I do instead is in the settings, you can change it to where you just hold down the button. Okay. And it's like, I'm not going to sit there and just, you know, I'm not going to, it's not hard for me to slam this button. It's just annoying. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the only game that did quick time events in a way that was fun and interesting was the first God of War. And the God of War for PS4 does that too. Okay. And I, and I like Are they those. still good with it? Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, like, oh my God. The the game that I think really popularized them... Well, okay, the first game that popularized them was Dragon Lair, which was, oh my God, ridiculous. But uh, Shenmue for the Dreamcast had that. It was basically a movie where you like decided when you get to see the next act and when you just want to wander around and collect toys. And whenever you want to go see the next act, you have to go through another stupid quick time event thing where like... X pops up on screen, you gotta hit X fast enough, and then square pops up, you gotta hit square, and I was like, this is bullshit. I think there was uh, another good component to include those in is like uh, Telltale games, mm. where not deciding is also a choice. Mm-hmm. So like, you could either you know tell your friend X or Y, or tell them nothing, and that also is like has its own ramifications, because that kind of adds like this feel of like actual urgency, and yeah. th- those are kind of fun. But, um, man, nothing else too exciting. I've been watching a, a show called Fresh Off the Boat, which is fairly popular. I think it's been on, I think it's on its fifth season. It's, uh, it takes place in the nineties. And I guess a fob is, it was a, uh, pejorative term for, for Asian American immigrants huh. and like they're fresh off the boat people or whatever. I guess that's not oh, a term I'm like an familiar with. Yeah. I never heard of that, but they dropped the T so fob. Yeah. But, um, the cast is fun. The cast is almost exclusively Asian, which is a lot of fun. And to the extent that it's not, they have like, whatever the dad from twin peaks okay. is like the only actor i've ever seen in anything else who is a regular on the show you know it'd um, be great if they had asians in whiteface to play the white feet white people <laughs> <laughs> they don't have that but they have is the best uh they, they have some good cameos um my favorite is they've had uh ken jeong on a few times as the main Sweet. character's brother and he played uh chang or wait he played chang in community mm-hmm. and chow in uh hangover mm-hmm. And so then this prompted me to watch uh, Ken Jeong on Hot Ones, which is this YouTube channel where they eat hot, spicy uh, chicken wings. And then his hour-long stand-up special, which was not that good. He just talked about The Hangover for like 30 minutes. Hmm. Um, but maybe want to watch The Hangover again, so I did that. And then watched the second one, which was actually really brilliant. It was exactly like the first one. They replayed every beat, mm-hmm. but in a way that like wasn't recycled. It was it was reused, in exa- I think, in a very great way. Uh, recipe to make this like an original hilarious thing while completely playing on exactly the same notes as the first movie and then the third one which i didn't even know existed was just off the rails it didn't have it wasn't a hangover they didn't like lose their memory and stuff but it was was like repercussions of like the smallest bit from the first movie um you remember it doesn't matter the the plot but basically there's like this big giant mob boss that's uh john goodman because he's in everything, it seems like. And he's, you know, go get me chow. And, I, you know, he stole all my gold. It's just the dumbest plot. And it was hilarious. Um, oh, but my favorite cameo on Fresh Off the Boat was uh, Michael Bolton as himself. Oh, cool. And uh, the main the main character, I can't remember the actor's name. He was also the detective who, uh, or the FBI agent who kept Ant-Man under house arrest in Ant-Man too. Um, but 
he has a, a steakhouse that he runs and Michael Bolton wanted to like be a partner in it so that he could finally destroy Kenny Loggins because Kenny Loggins has a chain of restaurants and he's <laughs> super jealous. And so he's like, you, we'll do this and together we'll destroy Kenny Loggins. <laughs> uh, I think Michael Bolton in everything I've seen him in, he plays the guy that he is in the, um, uh, the Lonely Island music video. Yes. He plays that I guy. I think that's that. who he is in real life and it makes yeah. me really like him as a person. So cool. Michael Bolton seems great. Um, that's my super rambling stuff. Might maybe not all that will make the air. I just that's what I've been up to. Okay. Oh, nothing too exciting. I don't have any video game stuff. So you guys got my random TV and movie plugs. <laughs> I enjoy listening to you talk about them, even though I haven't watched most of these. I don't. I don't consume a lot of traditional media. What? I, I don't anymore. I, I consume a lot of passive media. media. So TV eh. and movies. Yeah. yeah. Reading for me is an investment that I try. I try to read, but I'm not a. I complain about being not a fast reader. I know there's ways to fix that. And I could just, you know, power through stuff I and reread. I don't know if there is. I've been reading a lot since I was seven or younger, maybe. And I'm still not a fast reader. But I guess maybe the way I could actually do it is dedicate solid chunks. Rather than like, it took me from Saturday to today to finish uh, Saturday's chapter of Ward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because I'm reading it like in my spare minutes. If I just set aside a 45 minute window, I'm sure I could have read this whole thing. Which mm-hmm. I should probably start doing because... Uh, how do you feel about podcasts? I can't remember if you like them or not. I mean... Um, hate podcasts. Everyone who makes them, no. Uh, Audiobooks. I'm kidding. Audiobooks, I love. Um, Uh, Because you can convert the text of things to speech. I've tried that. Not very good. I I, I did that as an experiment during the would have been 2008, maybe 2012 debates. Hmm. They have some pretty good voices out there now. I I like inflection is always wrong though. I did it with the debates for fun because I wanted just to remove all of the emotion and enunciation and this is how you feel uh-huh. and oh, yeah. just get the raw text yeah and i thought that was kind of okay um the the debate i was talking about intelligence squared with the ai versus the human one of the major feelings of the ai was that it sounded not like a human it did not know what things to stress what words to stress what sentences to linger on and that really made its argument weaker even though i i guess it shouldn't the the it's the facts are the facts regardless but the way it was delivered just made it uncompelling there was a uh, at one of the the James Randi uh, annual conferences I went to the the amazing meetings they were called. There was um, oh I always wanted to go to a TAM. They were okay. Uh, Seth Fairchild that sounds right. He was a politician, and he gave he works for like the Secular Alliance, one of these, and he gave some forty five minute rousing speech. And at the end, people were like standing and clapping, and I'm I felt really moved, and I was like, wait a minute, this is like a political speech. This worked perfectly, and I, I noticed as it was happening like how weird that was. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, Sam Harris was talking on his podcast about how like bizarre it would be to have like Martin Luther King Jr. like over for dinner and have him talk at the table like he does in front of a microphone. Mm-hmm. He's like, that, w- that would be crazy unnerving, right? That's mm-hmm. not how a human talks, but that's how you grab an audience. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think part of that would be lost translating stuff. Like this, I tried that, like I said, as an experiment with the debates and the 2000 whatevers. Um, I don't know. Doing that with something like Ward, I feel like takes a lot of stuff out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, like on, on one hand, uh, I have found that there's some pretty natural sounding uh, readers out there that you can find. But, so not just... but then, like, I also am thinking, like, uh, yeah, but I wouldn't do it with Ward because I really like Ward. And yeah. It's like things that I like. I'm not summarize, that like, an article, invested like, in not reading. Not a story. Yeah. What I generally do is just at the end of the night when I'm winding down, I'll read in bed before i go to sleep and that generally gives me a good 30 to 40 minutes and then i just kind of like drift out to sleep really easily it's it's kind of works on two levels you know it gives me more reading time and it makes falling asleep super easy 
Yeah, if I was more disciplined, I would do that instead of browse Reddit for 40 minutes before bed. So. I deliberately... And you're looking at a backlit screen just yeah. before bed, sir. This is bad. It's got the blue light shift and all that stuff I on know, it. I know, but still. And I fall asleep immediately anyway. I never have any difficulty falling asleep. So. Okay. I, I deliberately don't read before bed, or I try not to, because I'll end up just continuing to read and oh, not actually go to sleep. it's really good, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the Monster Boru Cormorant I just read. So fucking good. Oh, what's that? It's it's the second uh, novel by Seth Dickinson, so it's you should read the first one before you read this one. But you know, what? I'm I'm going to be writing up a, a a review on it pretty soon. It's just it's a fantastic piece about revenge and and the limits of what you can force yourself to do before you lose humanity. And even if you're like doing it for a good cause and for an important purpose just pushing yourself into these situations you do it for long enough and you stop being a human that that is worth to have around anymore oh, that sounds like it's actually addressing a cool question yeah it's i mean seth dickinson is fucking amazing he's i don't think he self-identifies as rationalist i call him a rationalist he's at the very least rationalist adjacent he this is this is a uh like flintlock setting early gunpowder's just recently been invented right mm -hmm. and uh the main character describes hash functions in a way that's relatable to the audience and makes sense in that setting and and just uses it as part of the narration and i was like uh, this is brilliant i need to read this yeah it, it's a way of of it's a way of describing how humans are always alone and can never fully emotionally connect with each other because our actions are hash functions of the of our beliefs and and emotions and things inside our head and we can only like display like i'm crying or or these are my actions but it doesn't ever fully get from inside your head to inside the other person's head and i'm like this is brilliant <laughs> i had a a very long or very short it's hard to tell analysis of that in my own head when i was on lsd one time <laughs> and it was that exact same thing that like man i can never really and you like you'll think you communicate it. They'll say they understand, and you think they probably do, but like you, you never know, and they probably don't, right? Because they can't, because it's only inside your head. But yeah. you, they can understand a model of it, and that's you try to make that as as accurate as possible. Um, that I, sounds interesting. I feel yeah. like writing, like I've actually felt like writing is basically a form of telepathy. I mean, as long as you're not doing the unreliable narrator thing. Right. But I, I think you can get pretty close to what people are thinking by reading, particularly like their blog or their journal. Yeah, we talked about that a bit when you were reading that person on, I'm assuming it was Facebook or something, they wrote that, you know, th three sentences and the next paragraphs were the GTP2. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you had the model and you were, you know, reading their mind through what you thought were their words. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. All right, let's All wrap right. it up. That sounds good to me. We've got a patron to thank this week. I think I did the last one, but I don't know who's keeping score. Our... Oh, you know what? We still haven't done a lot of this feedback that's piling up. Oh, we'll God. And we promised this was going to be a feedback episode. Our next episode will be a feedback episode. <laughs> this time it is really good, too. <laughs> yeah. This time we mean it. Yeah. <laughs> well, this time it worked out because the GTP2 news just kind of came out in the last couple, what, few days. and About a week ago. And uh, Alexander Wales was available to be our guest tonight. So yeah. we'll have feedback on next time for sure. This week's patron is Jason Musgrave. Thanks. Oh. Did, oh, I know Jason Musgrave. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, All right. Thank you, Jason Musgrave. I didn't know you listened to the show. How fun. Yeah. Maybe another Jason Musgrave, but probably not. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all our patrons. You really make this feel more meaningful. And everyone listens to it, too. Like, we were talking about, yeah. you know, this This is not no work. It's not a ton, but mm -hmm. it's it's a bit. And 
you know, if, if we were literally talking to nobody, this wouldn't be worth doing. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, if you like what you're listening to, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You Those can also help spread the word. You definitely. Can, you can plug this anywhere. You know, if something I, I, I enjoy seeing the occasional reference to like our interview with Yudkowsky come up on the Methods of Rationality subreddit. Um, when people are like, is there a word of God on when this happened? It's like, oh, I know that like on the Bayesian Conspiracy podcast, you talk about this. I love seeing little plugs. And it's not like just not just for my ego, but that's also people find out about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it also I, helps for the ego, too. Yeah. I think I was listening to We've Got Worm or Ward, and somebody said they found out about Worm from the YouTube comment section of some random video. Huh. And so, like, who knows? You, plug, you, you talk about what you like wherever you want, and you might share something that you like with somebody who you never would have had a chance to talk to about it. So, that too. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, good night, everybody. Thanks. Bye. We're LGBT too sometimes. <laughs>